0: Biragi might be thinking to take this one quickly. It's unbelievable. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful goal. Cristiano Biragi
1: might have scored one of the goals of the season here.
0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Serie A Spotlight. This is Season 2, Episode 27 and we're your hosts Matt and Jake. Here to discuss Matthew Day 24 of Serie A and all that surrounds it. Honestly, that, that's the easiest part, bro. You, you, almost you fucked caught
1: me up. off guard completely because I was reading. Um, I Since I have an iPad now, ah. um, I'm actually experiencing the same autocorrect mistake that you experience on a weekly basis. Welcome to serve as spotlight. Yes, so, yeah. yes. Every time. yeah, It's horrible.
0: That's who we are. We're serve a spotlight. <laughs> serve but a spotlight, baby. You say I caught you off guard. I said, you ready, bro? Like a number of times, I did the intro and you just started reading like, bro. You know, I struggle with ADD, bro. I know you do. I know you do, bro. But come on, let's, let's focus. What a week of football, bro. Because essentially it was a week. It was Friday to Tuesday,
1: dude. Yep. All of my birthday, baby. <laughs> Happy birthday to you, by the way, bro. Thank you very you much. You
0: are now 26 years old. I am 26 And how years do you old. feel? Like a man, bro. Like a man? Like a man. Just... Doing man stuff, you know, like just being a man, bro. Like that sounds like fun. Like not much has changed, but fuck me, I'm a man, you know. <laughs>
1: Sat there watching your sports, smoking oh, your we, fucking cigars.
0: We actually, because we told the listeners, when we planned on the podcast that we we're gonna to go to Cheeky Monkey, day drink and watch all the games, and that's exactly mm. what we did yeah, that was on nice. Saturday for my birthday. Sure, I had to have a nap at the table yeah. because. <laughs> Eight Negronis in And then you started getting a bit A little bit dizzy Yeah But I uh, had a good time Sunday A day watching football as well Monday no different Tuesday no different It's all good bro
1: And I've here we are the, on Wednesday On Tuesday you know The the last day we had the Derby della Mole And that was mental A mental game on a Tuesday night It makes that the work does. week a bit easier huh? Having it it going does. home to a football game
0: It does bro It does Tell them how we watched the Derby della Mole Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: So for the first 15 minutes, we were in the process of um, cleaning our ears um, yep. while the game was on because um, I had gone to the doctor a while back when I was sick and he asked me like, how can you hear anything? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, you have a wax blockage. I can't clean it right now because you're unwell. like, and it might fuck you up, but um, he didn't actually say the words, fuck you up. <laughs> um, he said, but you can deal with it yourself. You can buy this thing and clean them out. And I'm, I'm looking around more thought that buy this um, attachment that you can attach mm-hmm. to a syringe, but a Apparently, it doesn't exist anymore. So I had to order it from from eBay, dude. Mm I hadn't used eBay, and it arrived. And yes, we took it in turns to clean our ears and God almighty, the crap that came out. Huh? It
0: was like a happy meal of chicken nuggets, man, <laughs> that came out of our ears. But that and on the laptop in front of us, there was the Derby della Mole. Exactly. I just In the first half, it was an absolute goat fest. So we were it's there just... <laughs> fucking showering our ears out like, and, and watching all these goals. So it was quite an enjoyable experience.
1: It really was, bro. Now, now we can hear very well.
0: Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Our goal of the week was obviously Beragis yeah, man. from um, the halfway line. Shades wow.
1: Shades of Viličić against Torino back in the day against Sirigu. Yes. Sir. Um, when a player scores from half pitch, it's always sensational. And this time around, you know, he he scored it happened so fast that the commentator didn't realize that he scored. Um, the camera. The camera couldn't keep up with the with the shot. It panned to Biragi running to the supporters. I thought that he was fighting one of the fans originally. Mm. Um, but it turns out, yes, he had scored a phenomenal goal from the halfway line and he was celebrating with the fans. It was crazy, dude. You see the replay. Yeah.
0: Wow. like A sensational goal. I think it's safe to say that that's the goal of the season so far. When you score yeah. from half pitch, it doesn't matter how. Doesn't matter why, doesn't matter what the stakes are, it's instantly the best goal you'll see, you know?
1: Many other many other um, contenders this week. Um, it was another week of bangers, bro. Mm-hmm. There was uh, a goal goal was amazing, Luis Alberto's was amazing, Koulibaly's goal was amazing. Absolutely. Um even Enzola's goal against Sudanese was amazing. He rounded Silvestri.
0: Yeah, yeah. Those were all great goals, but I mean, I, I think one stands yeah. head and shoulders above the rest this week. That's that's Nicola Beraghi. Beraghi. Cristiano Beraghi. Cristiano Beraghi, Jesus. Let's um, go from the halfway line. He's on my Fanta Cultura as well. So
1: There we go. Obviously, happy birthday, happy.
0: bro. A, a word of advice for you guys is there's defenders like Di Marco, Beraghi, and all these ones that get on set pieces. Get one of them just get one of them and twice to three times a season you're in for an absolute treat so that's definitely a a big recommendation from my end
1: it's always the question when you're doing fantasy football should i go for the the big boys who are going to score off the corner or the little fullbacks that are going to give the corner yeah yeah should i go go for demarco or bastoni like you know Yeah, uh, yeah
0: yeah and then and then there are the the ones that play in a three five two um, uh, who play in the five essentially but uh, just get yourselves a, a mix of all and try to get the most consistent ones but yes Serie A spotlight slips a victory another victory for this us that's a, two in a row this was a bit of a wild bet it was so we had um, Bologna Inter over zero goals <laughs> which happened because Bologna won 1-0 nil um, Lecce Sassuolo under four goals exactly Empoli Napoli over 1 goal. Excellent. Cremonese Roma gave us a hell of a lot of anxiety towards yeah. the end of the game. But we got through. It was under under four, goals. under 4 goals. Yeah. So 5 yeah.
1: euro you win 10 euros and 14 cents. Not bad. I mean, good. We're on a bit of a run here, bro.
0: We are, and I think we've found a new little kind of system. This is a slip I was a very big fan of because we weren't betting on outcomes, I think. Oh. Rather than waiting for the league to settle down, which it just simply hasn't Mm -hmm. settled down. There are always these upsets and and the unpredictable scorelines like this week was crazy, man. Um, I think we had to change the way we bet. Rather than waiting for the league to adapt to us, we have to adapt to the league. No, and maybe it's a bit of a learning curve, but we are learning. Um, Just don't take our advice when it comes to bets yeah bravo so shall we go through the 10 matches and jump in you know like the usual thing we Let's always do, do every episode
1: um, guys follow us on Serial uh, Spotlight um, on Instagram TikTok YouTube Twitter wherever um, and do drop us a rating wherever you get your spot, uh, your podcast that would help a lot
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So this weekend kicked off with Empoli against Napoli, the battle of the Paulis. and Napoli obviously came out the victors, two goals to nil. It was a gargantuan battle between Milan and Atalanta as it was a six-pointer in the race for Champions League two teams very close to each other, Milan come out the victors, two goals to nil, Bologna won Inter nil, Bologna really proving to be Inter's bogey team, the Derby della Mole, of course, Torino started out winning the game but Juventus ended up winning the game four goals to two as usual, Cremonese get their first victory of the season and it was against Roma, Two goals to one. Lazio edged past Sampdoria in classic Sampdoria fashion. It was a 1-0 result over there. Udinese, Spezia, very even affair there and they draw 2-2. Fiorentina went away to Verona and won three goals to nil with, obviously, um, Beraghi sealing things with a lovely half-pitch goal. Salernitana, 3 Monza, nil. The reverse fixture was a 3-0 victory for Monza. Oh, how the turntables. And the last game was Lecce, nil. Sassuolo, 1-1, Sassuolo, continuing their great run. Like you said, bro, fantastic week of football. We had the Derby della Mole, Cremonese's first win, upsetting Roma. We had Bologna-Inter, which was always a spectacle considering the history between those two teams. The return of Pogba and Zlatan. The return of Pogba and Zlatan to absolute titans that we hadn't seen in the game for a while. And obviously, Milan-Atalanta is just always an absolute spectacle one team from Milan, one team from Bergamo. All of these players that have played for both teams. By the way, last week, we forgot to mention Kier. Out of all of them, oh, yeah. we were naming all the players that played for oh, both of Oh, yeah, them, of course. We forgot fucking Kier.
1: And Gasparini talked about um, Kier recently. Because Kier did. didn't actually play much at Atalanta. No, he didn't. He didn't. Um, and Gasparini said he, when Kier arrived, he saw a very strong centre-back. But without the tactical knowledge to play in his system. You okay, know, it makes sense, sure. I mean, uh, back then, Atalanta had a really particular way of playing, no?
0: Yeah, 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 very, <laughs> very offensive. But it's interesting to see. Maybe, maybe he's gotten more tactically aware with age. Could but he he, does seem but he
1: had been there. He had been in Italy for a while. I believe he played for Palermo as well. Back. Yes, he did play for Palermo.
0: Yeah. He did play for Palermo. Shall we get jump into off? it, brother? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do kick it. things off with Empoli nil, Napoli two. The previous encounter was another two 0 victory for Napoli. Um, In this game, Akpa, Akpro and Bandinelli were suspended, whilst Destro Cambiaghi and Raspadori were injured. So Empoli started the game in their 4-3-1-2 formation with Vicario on goal on the backline of Parisi, Luperto, Ismaili and Ebuehi. Marin Henderson and Haas formed the midfield three with Baldanzi playing behind Piccoli and Satriano. For Napoli, it was their 4-3-3 formation with Alex Meret in goal and the backline of Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Mincay and Mario Rui. It was a midfield three of Anguissa, Lobotka and Zielinski and the front three of Lozano, Osimen and Gvara Scalia. So in the 17th minute, Napoli opened the scoring and it was an ismaili own goal that got them the first goal. Gvara's looping ball to the far post was squared in by Zielinski and turned in by Ismaili when attempting to clear the ball. I mean, it was going straight to Osiman anyway, and he was quite wrong-footed, so difficult to avoid over there, albeit it did look very clumsy. <laughs> in the 28th minute, Osimen made it to the inevitable Ossiemen. Guevara's shot from outside the area was saved by Vicario, but it fell to Osiman who slotted in on the rebound very easily. In the 33rd minute, Ossiman found himself with only Vicario to beat after Lozano stole the ball off of Luperto in a dangerous area. But Vicario did well to deny the top scorer. One minute later, in the resulting corner from that attempt, uh, Kim rose highest and headed the ball into the crossbar and off the line. Napoli were screaming for a goal, but it was barely even on the line. It so yeah. wasn't crossed the line. And then in the 67th minute... Caputo and Rui collided in a very PG 13 manner. However, Rui lashed out and up kicked Caputo in the balls, receiving a straight yeah. red card. And as a result, he will be missing the Juve game and the, sorry, the Lazio game and the Atalanta game. I think it's a good opportunity for Oliveira who will be thanking him, huh? Yeah, for
1: sure. I mean, Oliveira's barely had a sniff of the pitch considering yeah. Rui's form. So now this is. Now's his time, you know, um, and a few good performances now for him might mean that he would be picked in the Champions League. Who knows?
0: Absolutely, man. And, and it could very much be the case. I mean, we, we were starting to see him being implemented a little bit more. And we saw him a couple of weeks ago starting ahead of Rui getting some rotation in, and he is well suited for the Napoli team um he's a fast powerful left back um a very tactically sound and i think we could be seeing more of him in the future especially considering that mario Rui now is going to be 32 and maybe just maybe it's finally time to part ways although yeah, he's been he's, he's, been he's never been this part. good to he's be never been though.
1: this good he's never been this good so um i i Think that Oliveira has a lot to do to, to yeah. displace this place from at the moment. Yeah. Um. But again, bro, what's left to say about Atalanta? Uh, Atalanta about Napoli, bro?
0: I mean, not much. Um, Osimhen scored and uh, now in eight Serie A games in a row. The last time someone did that was Cristiano Ronaldo, who had scored eleven in a row for Juve between. 2019 and february 2020 so he is on track to equal that record do you think he gets it done um
1: they have a few tough run-ins coming up um, napoli i do not think he'll equal the record, no. It's, it's, the record, I believe, is um, Batistuta's as well, right? It's 11, 11 straight, say, yeah, I, uh, goals. I believe
0: like. it's Ronaldo and Batistuta that are tied. And, I believe Ronaldo equaled his record.
1: And Qualierella, dude. Qualierella equaled the record. He was top scorer as well. Granted, many of them were penalties. Um, but the impressive thing about Batistuta was that he didn't used to take penalties. And that's it's the same true. thing as Victor Oziman in this situation, who doesn't take penalties at all. Do I think he'll equal it? I do not think so. I don't think so.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough feat to yeah. uh, the tough boots to fill as well over there. But if there is someone that can do it, the season it certainly is yeah. Victor Victor Rossiman. um uh, Do you think that Napoli will feel the loss of Mario Rui against Lazio and Atalanta? Those are two tough matches uh, that they have coming up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, do I think they'll feel the loss of Mario Rui? I don't think it would be detrimental. One of the most impressive things about Napoli this season was, has been their ability to replace yep. members of that starting 11 right yes you know you see for example what's his name the ex-genoa man the centre back um,
0: ah um, uh, got, he was at Brighton yeah as, as a way. shaved head he, um, with an O oh, ostegard. Ostegard, ostegard. ostegard there you go yes Ostegard
1: go. comes in for example puts in a shift Juan Jesus comes in puts in a shift Simeona comes in Elmas Raspadori all these guys just come in and it's like they're playing with their full strength team. So I yeah. don't think that they'll feel the loss of Mario Rui too much in these games.
0: I agree. And and, and I think it's about time because we're always talking about the Napoli team. And yesterday I told you, um, I bet you if they, they not I bet you, they could play the rest of the season without a manager and they still win the league, <laughs> which is obviously a, an, an insane claim mm-hmm. to make because... Let's talk a bit about the importance of Luciano Spalletti at this team, right? I was having a look at Spalletti's history, his coaching history. So he's been an active manager since 1994, right? He started his career off at Empoli. Where he spent four years and he actually earned them promotion from Serie C and Serie B. So it was a very good start to his managerial career. He then had stints at Sampdoria, Venezia, Udinese, and Ancona. Then, really, his breakthrough came between 2002 and 2005 with Udinese, where he had even gotten them Champions League qualification in 2005, which is probably where he started to earn his feet as that manager that can get you top four no matter what. He then obviously had that long stint with Roma between 2005-2009. That's where he saw most of his success. He won two Coppa Italias and one Supercoppa Italiana as well. Had a stint in Russia. Went back to Roma for a season and then spent two seasons at Inter where he made them a top four team again, essentially. And now, finally, at Napoli, it seems like he's gonna get himself some silverware and he deserves it, man.
1: Of course, yes, he, he definitely deserves it. Um, he got very close to winning the league before with Roma. Um, that was a team that was stacked with talent and yes. he got the best out of them, you know. Um, they, they only didn't win the league that season because, um, Juventus. Um, had beaten the record for the points tally in a single season mm-hmm. um, you look at that Roma team by the way they had Zeco, Salah they had um, De Rossi Nainggolan uh, Manolas um, Chesney. Rudiger Shezny they were Maduana. stacked dude that was a fun team to watch for sure um, but yeah nice to see that finally he's um, getting what he deserves um, he's a fantastic man manager and a great tactician um, Luciano Spalletti
0: yeah and I think um being a being a great man manager is key especially in today's day and age in football i mean there's social media that tampers with the mental health of players media in general that tampers with the mental health of players but as long as the players feel valued and the manager has, has a vision for these players it's like the Zidane effect at Real Madrid where everyone was playing 75% of what they previously played and still they were over the moon and they were winning Champions Leagues so that's the same effect that he's having and hopefully they can carry that into the Champions League. Yeah, yeah? Uh,
1: I, I hope so. They have the facilities. Now they have such an advantage in the league, Napoli, that um, they afford to rest their best players in the league and play with their very capable substitutes um, and go into the Champions League with a fresh Victor Ozzyman, a fresh Gwara a fresh Kim J. Min. you know. Yeah. Um that's something that the other teams and other leagues don't don't have the luxury to do. Huh? So they, they do not. have the upper hand. I wouldn't even call them a dark horse right now for the Champions League. I would call them a contender.
0: I think I think they definitely are contenders, man. Especially like obviously there are the Real Madrids, there are the Cities. Mm-hmm. It's Real and City. I would say are the favorites. Yeah, th- those are the guys, really. Um, I think they can take PSG. Oh, mm. Bayern are another huge Bayern are another huge mess. Um, can, they can take PSG maybe. <laughs> I, I think
1: they maybe. can. It, it, it very much depends. I think on you know we have to remember the fact that Napoli have never actually made it to a quarter final before. So the pressure on their shoulders will be massive. Now, one of the best things about Napoli this season is that they've been playing without pressure. No one expected them to win the league. No one even expected them to come top four. Yeah. Um, well, some people did. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll we'll see. But that's the thing, I
0: don't think they feel pressure, bro. When I watch them play, it doesn't seem like they're feeling pressure at all.
1: But the stage, yeah. when you have two games to get it done, and you're against the likes of World Cup winners Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi, it might be a bit tougher. But we'll see. Um, I certainly think they have the facilities to beat any team in the world at the moment.
0: Yeah, I I would agree. I would agree. I think that's enough about Napoli. Mm -hmm. Um, Empoli, their five-match undefeated run at home. Um, has obviously and understandably come, come to, to an, an end. end yeah. But it was it was a great run by them. And this obviously isn't the last we'll see of, of Empoli. I think they'll keep climbing the table. And I think all things considered, they actually did have a decent performance here against Napoli. They did manage to get nine shots away. They had two of them on target. They had four off target. Um, their xG was 0.58, <laughs> which yeah. against Napoli, I guess, is is all right
1: yeah well right. <laughs> fair, fair enough you're excused Paolo zanetti um on to the
0: next on to the next brother napoli obviously still in first and have actually extended their lead over inter and milan after inter dropped points so napoli on 65 milan and inter on 47 can't do the quick math over there empoli in 12th on 28 points level on points with fiorentina
1: the next game we're going to be covering was the massive Milan Atalanta game, which ended 2 0. The reverse fixture was a 1 1 draw, goals coming through the current Marseille player, Malinowski, mm. and um, the currently injured um, Ismael Benasser. Well, Isma- uh, his back, is Benasser, but he was still out for this game. Exactly. Um, Milan are now unbeaten in their last five Serie A matches against Atalanta. The four wins and the draw, which came in the reverse fixture. Milan have played five consecutive league games without losing against Atalanta for the first time since 2008 2012. Six encounters in that case. So it seems to be that the Atalanta curse is coming to an end for Milan. yeah, And they have restored their dominance over the side from Bergamo.
0: Yeah, the the last time Milan played Atalanta at home, we were there and, and Theo scored that, oh, that yes. mad goal. That was probably the best weekend of my life to date, man. Genuinely. It was so good, eh, bro? That, that goal, I couldn't believe it. There was the Eurovision going on as well, just yeah. to add to the entire <laughs> fucking hype around the weekend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> brividi, brividi. Yeah, very nice scenes. Uh, Milan had Calabria, Florencia and Benazera out, while Atalanta had Demiral, Hatterber, Pasalic and Duvan Zapata out. Milan lined up with a 3-4-2-1 formation with Manian in goal, Tomori, Chau and Kalulu at the back, Theo Hernandez on the left, Junior Messias on the right with Tonali and Kronic in the middle, Leao and Diaz playing off the shoulders of the prolific Olivier Giroud. For Atalanta, it was a 3-5-2 formation with Musso on goal. Scalvini, Jim City and Toloi with Costa on the right, Mele on the left. Coop Miners, and Ederson were in the middle with Hoyland and Lukman up front.
0: How good is it? to see Manyan back on the pitch after such a lengthy layoff man. oh it's so good bro
1: and to see him address the, the drug rumors as well yeah. was hilarious as well the only drug I know is victory he said something <laughs> like that no that was that was interesting basically for those who don't know there were rumors that uh, Manyan was um, addicted to yeah. cocaine and that's why he wasn't playing yeah
0: um, and, and that he couldn't were... function without yeah. cocaine and, and and there was a, a voice note going around that yeah. you know you, you listen to the voice note and you're like oh shit <laughs> but no, yeah it's
1: it's nowadays you can you can make anything sound like anyone know so it's, it's quite terrifying yeah um it, it all started off in the 25th minute when Theo Hernandez unleashed a long range rocket which hit the post and deflected off of Musso and into the back of the net um, Theo has since claimed the goal for himself, <laughs> no, 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 of <laughs> but course of course, um, in theory, it is a Juan Muson goal. And what a goal that was! Bro, Theo has re- really has a knack for scoring against Atalanta.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and and scoring worldies against Atalanta yeah. as well.
1: Milan controlled the entire game and the tempo of the game and um, I can't remember a situation where Atalanta threatened the goal um, I remember Hoyland being absolutely pocketed by Chao yes. um, especially on the loose balls on the turns he didn't give him a single space even when he got a yellow card Chao he got a yellow card in the 65th minute he continued to be dominant Yeah, um, it was all killed off in the 86th minute when Leao played a perfectly weighted through pass to Messias who finished clinically um, and that tied off a perfect performance um, we also saw the return of Zlatan Ibrahimović who came on in the 74th minute and had a wonderful um backheel pass I don't even know what yeah. the hell you'd he call that it was it was it, it's amazing
0: uh, taco taco in, in, yeah, in mid essentially yeah, yeah. backheel mid-air. backheel
1: volley I guess backheel a, volley right pass yes he looked sharp Zlatan of course he doesn't press the man does nothing he's a uh, turret basically but he does improve the players around him and when Zlatan's on the pitch Rebic actually plays well which is interesting to see that's true Rebic came on in the 88 and he looked better than I've seen him all season. (laughs) I don't get it man (laughs) the possession stats were 50-50 Milan had 10 shots 4 of them on target while Atalanta had 1 shot with none of them on target so you can imagine the sheer dominance that Milan displayed this game
0: absolutely man Absolutely. It was a great performance by Milan. Um, Once again, Milan are capable of dominating the game without having 65% ball possession. They don't need to be on the ball in order to be in control of the game. They certainly dictate the tempo of the game and they absolutely neutralize any threat that the opponents might have. At least this has been obviously in the past three matches that we've seen. So
1: Gasperini said at the end of the game that the problem was that when his side doesn't beat the opposition with pace, they struggle. And I found this very interesting, especially when you look at the the way that Milan lined up this game. Um, when you look at the average, uh, when you look at the heat map, mm-hmm. the average possession on the pitch, you'll notice that Kalulu, Kronic, Messias and Brahim were very close to each other on the right hand side. Very close, all four of them. Mm-hmm. Um you can tell that was in an attempt to neutralise Mele, who's very quick and can cause many problems. We saw last season, um, the penultimate game of the season during training, you hear Florenzi shouting, Mele, Mele is escaping, <laughs> Mele is escaping, you know, to track back. like So the, everyone's aware that Mele is a player who can actually get in behind and do some damage, you know, in, yeah. in theory. So what they did was they allowed Atalanta, they forced Atalanta to play down Costa's channel, who mm-hmm. of course isn't as quick and would be up against Leao, and Theo Hernandez exactly so that was a lovely tactical plan by Pioli which worked to perfection
0: and no absolutely and, and and I get what Gasparini means um, especially when but, but the thing is that Milan had it, it wasn't a coincidence that they were beaten for pace it wasn't because Milan have more fast players than Atalanta essentially yeah. but it's because Milan have had Atalanta figured out for the past couple of mm-hmm. seasons now it goes so far as to as to say that we remember um purely in one of his first games he lost 5-1 yeah.
1: no, sorry, 5-5-0 five five
0: nil, nil, yeah. against Atalanta and just seems since then he hasn't skipped a beat against yeah. them. And, and he always has something up his sleeve when it comes to a it's game. It's that of this thing, right?
1: Atalanta play man to man and purely counters it by shifting players and their positions around. We saw at one point Teo Hernandez playing kind of like as a right midfielder, Literally, you bro. know? Like you never know where your
0: players are going to go with this one. Literally, I felt confused watching me. I'm like, is this the new formation? Or is it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> fucking tripping out right now with <laughs> Teo's playing. But, but again, man, I can't stress on how good... Milan were and and I've often said in in the last few matches that Milan's opponents weren't up to the up to the task I said Torino were below par I said Spurs were below par and I said that and well I was about to say that Atalanta are below par but that's for a reason man again Milan are really capable of neutralizing these teams and and What a difference it's been since they've implemented the 3-4-3 What a difference it's been since Chao has entered the fray And added some more um, athleticism at the back That's what it is There there are three absolute athletes at the back for Milan And Tomori, Chao and Kalulu And then to be backed by Teo Hernandez on that left-hand side And to be backed by Mania behind them Milan are back to winning ways and I think they're there to stay this time, man. Yes, you mentioned Malik Chow. Bro,
1: Malik Chow is one of the two defenders along with Kim Jae-min, who have the most combined aerial duels and headed clearance in Serie A in February. It's 11 aerial duels and 10 headed clearances. Um incredible impressive he's been so good this is first ever season you know as as a starter Um, and say yeah yeah and you look at how he played in the bundesliga you'll ask fans of the bundesliga they would have all said that Shaw was quite error prone over there okay he's really stepped his shit up okay you know i think pioli gets a lot of criticism for not um for not playing the new players from the get-go but i kind of like pioli's approach i do man i do you, you arrive at a team, right? Um, that has won the league. Your job is to earn a position instead of those starting players that won you the league. You're not just going to walk in. And I like that. I like that he values seniority. Mm-hmm. I like that he gives the old guns a shout. Like Gabia, Pobega. These are guys who have been fighting for their chance for ages. It mm-hmm. wouldn't exactly be fair if ranks came in and just played every game instead of Pobega yeah. it wouldn't be fair if Chao came in and played every game instead of Gabia you will get your opportunity and you have to earn your opportunity when the time comes the time came and they have earned their opportunity at least Chao has earned his his, his um, spot uh, yeah. I can't imagine him being benched right now so yeah I, I do like the system bro um, mm-hmm. one thing I wanted to ask you about this is a player that you love No, you have his kid, he's one of your babies um, yes. Sandra Tonali of course
0: What is going on? (laughs) It seems like he's going through a bit of a spell at the moment Mm. um, and not exactly a positive one. So we know what his performances were like in that period where Milan lost to Sassuolo, Mm. lost twice to Inter, drew to Lecce, drew to Roma. We all know what he played like there alongside all the players, essentially. No one was great, but Tonali him having the ball most out of all the team in that, in that midfield obviously showcased how bad he was more than anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think that in this formation, he is being utilised as more of a an off-the-ball kind of crusher of mm-hmm. play. And you do see him getting stuck in quite a bit. Um, whereas Milan are utilising the wings slightly more rather than playing through the middle. So we don't mm-hmm. get to see him that much on the ball. But it still seems like whenever he does have the ball, he has that uncertainty around him. Mm. Now, it could also be the lack of Ben Asser because having yeah. Krunic next to you, normally with, it's not Krunic. It's that Ben Asser is always available. Mm-hmm. So he makes Tonali look very, very good in yeah. that area. And if he's not available, he's dragging a midfielder away with him, giving Sandro more space. So I, I think... As well, he's adapting to this new formation. He's still a very, very talented player. I think we just need to give him time in this new system, man.
1: I do think that um, this new formation does take the um, spotlight off him a little bit. The play exactly. doesn't need to go through him, as you were saying. That's absolutely right. Spot on. Um Krunic has been fucking incredible by the way. That has to be said as well. Like he, his, his
0: work off the ball is yeah. Really Tonali hard, looks like Krunic right now. It's like we've got uh, two me it's it's like and uh, Milan have got two Kruniches over through, there. It's um shout out by the
1: way to Messias at wing back who has been absolutely incredible in that role. Um, a player who works so hard um, and a player who's so pensive. You you look at Junior Messias um He's the only player who didn't actually attend the Scudetto celebrations last year. Mm. He said that he wasn't feeling too well and he went home. He didn't actually celebrate. You see, when he scores a goal, he's almost in a trance. He's almost in his own head. Yeah. Um, he, he seems like a shy guy, an introverted guy, um, a guy who is overwhelmed with gratitude almost. You, you get, I get that vibe from him. Yeah. And it's so nice to see that um, he's doing well. You know, and in this new wingback role, he's excelling because he's a player who's extremely selfless, who works for the team around him, who fucking tracks back. You know, he yeah. does. He does it all. man. He does all the dirty work.
0: Yeah. And, and I think he's been a, a victim of very unfair treatment from the fan base. Mm. And Milan do have one of the best fan bases around the world. Some of the most supportive supporters ever. <laughs> um but it, it does seem like the second he makes a mistake, then, then everyone is jumping on yeah. him, where you could look at Tonali, um, at the moment that everyone will be defending him because Tonali is a young, local guy yeah, who would devote his life for Milan. So. When
1: yeah. Messias does well It's all about the story Right When he does poorly He's just a delivery man Who shouldn't be
0: there Exactly He's a it's ser- that- he's A player But yeah. I think you always Had had your eyes on him And you always said that This guy is a good player Just just yeah. give him time And it's interesting That it wasn't time It was a, a tactical thing um, Him playing as the Right wing back Is, is excellent especially going forward and his interceptions are brilliant. They're he really so good. gets back into space well and his work ethic is tremendous. He never complains. He's never shouting at anyone. He's always nodding his head and working, bro, and yeah. working and working. I do think that um, there was a point when we are watching the game, it was like the 60th minute. I'm like, okay, now bring on Salamakers yeah. because Salamakers is more defensively sound.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, Salamakers is a more modern player, No. Yeah, he's a European level player, Salamakers. Now you might joke with me because he's a bit of a meme, but mm. um, in reality, when Milan played Liverpool last year, Klopp highlighted Salamakers as his mm. most impressive player. Now this is a guy who had an incredible Liverpool team. And went all the way with them in every aspect. Like yeah. he liked Salamakers from that team, so that says a lot, dude. Yeah, he's a very modern player.
0: Well, to, be, to be fair, there Liverpool's right back is Trent Alexander, yeah. and that, I, I promise you, he can't defend like Salamakers. <laughs> I promise you, he can't.
1: Yeah, and you can't (laughs) fucking do a rabona like him either. (laughs) Zlatan, uh, his words. Okay, that was a sentence. Um, (laughs) If you're you're wondering why I'm slurring my words already, um, I am drinking Chianti while Matthew is drinking black coffee. Um, I'm fasting. Matthew's fasting, Uh so he's he's not drinking any calories past, what, six o'clock?
0: Past eight, I, I eat and drink calories between 12 and eight. Let me tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, make this slight amendment to your life and you will shed inches off of your body. You'd stop getting fucking, um, not a heartburn. You'll stop getting heartburn. I used to get it terribly. And ever since I started fasting and stopping snacking and stopping breakfast, wow, what a difference! Like, what a difference. And it is literally just a minor change to your lifestyle on the weekends. Fuck it. Treat yourself, have a drink after eight, but try stick to it as much as you can and you will be rewarded. How much do you weigh, bro? Um around 68 kilos. There we go. What's your goal? Um I don't have a goal when it comes to weight, just just the the image. You're going for the my... vibe. I need to start squatting. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no just summer's coming up and let's let's just remove that bulk winter weight baby
1: let's get it so Zlatan's words it's been a year and two months since I've been able to play the way I wanted to play when I'm good I'm the strongest of them all I will not only play 10 minutes if I feel the way I do today I'll be here for more years than just next year I have already forfeited my salary to give it to Leo. So let's <laughs> so let's break it down, okay, a little bit. So first of all, um, do you see Zlatan playing for another two, three years, or is this realistically his last year?
0: Um, I I think it's possible that he plays for two more years. Just he'll play as many games as he played this season. Like mm. he'll he'll come on as an ambassador of the club for. Three, four, five times a season. I think Milan would be willing to pay him a million a season to keep him there with the squad, yes. rather than giving him a coaching role. Mm. Um, because he still does have something to offer on the pitch as well. He is, he is that one in a million that that is capable of doing that. But yeah, he's fucking forty-one now, man. That's yeah. no joke. Like
1: his influence uh, can't be. It can't go unnoticed. Mm -hmm. Zlatan's influence. Influence. He is a motivator. He is the type of player that will get the best out of everyone around him. Having him present, I agree with you totally. If he wants to keep going, keep him going. If he wants to hang his boots, offer him a role. Exactly. Um, Totally. Agreed. Brilliant. Um, I have already forfeited my salary to give it to Leao. With Leao, it's weird, right? It's almost like Milan have healed, but the Leao confusion is still there, right? Um... At least it has been mentioned by Gazetta and all the papers, granted, pinch of salt, that uh, Milan will be looking to sell if he doesn't renew within the next couple of months. And granted, yes, I think that's the way to go because Milan do not afford to lose another top player on a free. You look at Donnarumma, Shalanoglu Kessi. Maybe you're
0: okay, no? top player.
1: Yes, okay. Um... They were all players You could have made money from Yeah
0: And they're all players That you essentially Lost money over. Exactly like Czarnoglu could sense. have been 20 million Exactly 20 least. million Sure 20 million Milan are, are Around what 25 million And yeah. that That could have been That could have been Fucking sorted Donnarumma I'm sorry If Kepa Ariza Balaga Fucking went to Chelsea For fucking 70 million Or 80 million Whatever the fuck it was After this guy Won the Euros He would have gone for The same amount Thank you very much King Pioli And I mean Kessi As well bro 40-50 million Like I, mean, I could have Made serious money And Leao We are looking at A player that could Go for 100 million Yeah Leao can be sold for 100 million in today's market so mm-hmm. it's it's good to see that Mbappe is interested in <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: was, that was one of my points yes Mbappe has stated and there's video evidence of this if you don't mm. believe me that um, if he had to ever play in Italy it be before Milan nice to see that he's a man of culture <laughs> yeah, 100% um, he grew up as a Milan fan yeah he'll never set foot in Italy nice. this guy no I think if he ever joins Milan he'll be at the ripe age of 37 yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. Like,
0: no like 35 years old is yeah. fine move, like I want to retire at my boyhood team. But hey, man, like the Brazilian Ronaldo, right? If literally, if, if there is a world where someone like Mbappe takes a pay cut, significant fucking pay cut, to pursue his dream, and he ever joins Milan, if he needs a kidney. Call me up If he needs anything yeah, you kid kidding He'll be good for it <laughs> If he needs anything Call up I will worship him I will have a framed photo Of him in my room With a candle In front of it I will not let the candle Run out of wax I'll constantly Replenish 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 Because that would be Something else man
1: Yeah I mean If he joins uh, It'll probably be An entire Primavera squad And Mbappe up front Because that's the only way That Milan will afford to, play, <laughs> to pay his salaries And to be honest I don't think it'll be that bad quite a dynamic team no? you look like Chaka Traor on the right <laughs> <laughs> Gabi on the back Pobega on the middle and then just Mbappe Colombo Mbappe and front. inshallah you know may- <laughs> maybe recall Sajou. Yeah. oh that would be nice Um Gasperini got really angry at the end of the game and threw his sandwich at someone
0: that video is probably my favourite video on the internet yeah. right now man
1: um, it's uh they're calling it Panino Gate in Italy <laughs> Um, he threw his panino, yeah, and he was upset. And it's it's hilarious to see that that's his instinct, right? And they, they took a picture of the the piece of bread after it had like two bite yeah, bite two marks. Tiny it. Ass bits, yeah,
0: tiny like a mouse had yeah. a nibble on it.
1: Like. He, he nibbled the sandwich twice and just hurled it. Like is it <laughs> worth it, bro? Like come on,
0: where's your stoicism, Gasparino? You know? <laughs> My favorite is when fucking Jamie Carragher just fucking spat. At some United fans Because they were giving him shit For Liverpool oh, yeah. losing He was so mad That he fucking spat at them bro Yeah um,
1: There was a Serie A president Who, who spat At the fans Recently the I yeah. think we mentioned it like it last spit week spit at me I spit back I, like, I <laughs> Legend. But anyway Serie A is mental by the way It yeah. is we, we currently have Cagliari Genoa and, and by the, the way Genoa have been all over them They Let's have We'll see been. what happens Atalanta top 4 Is this still a possibility In your eyes?
0: Um so, not because they just lost to Milan, but I don't see them slotting into top four this year. Um, I think they came in with their much improved side from last season, and they're definitely going to be pushing until the very end. But I don't see Roma dropping enough points for Atalanta to overtake them. Um, I see Lazio dropping points, but I don't see Roma dropping that many points. But uh huh, I think they'll they'll be in the mix, but I don't think they'll get it this year. But they can definitely get it next year. Keep in mind that they have that financial takeover as well, brother. They, They have the new owners, and at some point, they're going to start splashing the cash. Like,
1: yeah, um, they've been an incredibly well run club with their finances, at least, and the personnel that they managed to keep on the team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they get top four. That fourth spot is up for grabs, in my opinion. Um, Lazio, Roma, Atalanta, Juve are still a mm, contender, mm. by the way.
0: Bro, Milan and Inter aren't safe. Either. They're not
1: safe, no. But it's it's difficult to imagine them dropping out, you know, because they do slip up. But at the end of the day, they are so much more consistent and just strong, you know. They're two teams who have won the league in the last two
0: years. Mm. Milan, I can't and see Inter. Them out. Milan and Inter are the, the reason you're saying that, bros, they're two years ahead of the, the, the other teams.
1: More than two years, way more than ahead of Atalanta and Lazio. More than two years, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Atalanta finished top four, but I wouldn't put my money on it. Let's just say that.
0: No, I, I don't see it happening. It's obviously a possibility, but I really don't see them getting that done when there are the likes of Inter, Milan, Roma, and potentially mm-hmm. even Juve.
1: Before we move on, bro, I want to highlight Marco Nasti. Marco Nasti is a 19-year-old Milan Primavera striker who is currently on loan at Cosenza. He has become a hero, a local hero, after equalizing and scoring the winner in the derby against Pippo Anzaghi's Regina and Serie A. Um, His goals came, so the equalizer came in the 90th minute. Uh Uh-huh. And the winner came in the 92nd And they're My both God. great goals The last one was a spectacular volley The scenes were out of this world So it's just good to see A 19-year-old striker All of a sudden Reach hero status You mm. know Like this guy's been Speaking coherently For like four years And he's
0: already a hero You know It's <laughs> crazy It's so crazy Yeah and and Bro I always get so excited When there's a young Primavera striker Coming through the ranks That's just bagging Goal after there goal after goal There are quite a few There are quite a few bro quite They excite time. me man yeah. I'll never forget <clears throat> no, just Pato. Pato out of nowhere like the 17 year old wonder kid scores against Sporting Lisbon in the Champions League alright this, this guy he's hes decent he got off the mark and then just pff, one of the best strikers you, uh, o- over a short period of time, he was one of the best strikers Milan have had. You hear the likes of Nesta
1: and Maldini saying he was unplayable. Literally, unplayable. Bro. Nesta, I think it was Nesta who was telling an, adi- an anecdote that in training, fucking Pato would just. Like, there's a teenage Pato, right? Against Nesta and Maldini, who are world leader, legendary defenders. He would knock the ball past them, run by them, and go, Mimi. <laughs> Like, are you kidding me?
0: Are you kidding me? <laughs> this Dude. goal against Barca and the Champions League was literally that what you're talking about. Like yeah. the way he knocked the ball around Puyol and whoever the hell it was like was masterful. 20 sec- 26 seconds into the game.
1: Yeah, bro. So Milan are currently in third with 47 points, while Atalanta sit in sixth with 41 points.
0: <laughs> the next game we're going to be covering is Bologna one Inter nil The result that made The battle for top 4 A much more interesting one now Funnily enough The previous encounter Was a 6-1 victory For Inter But before that Came the 2-1 loss That gave Milan the league The season before um, Last season actually With Radu Fucking up tremendously mm-hmm. Allowing Sansone to score And get the winner um, Bologna were still Without Arnautovic And Zergze Whilst Inter had to make due Without Correa De Marco And Skriniar get used to it i guess that last part and one thing i have to point out is the conditions of bologna's pitch in this game the splash on the pitch was unbelievable it's like they were playing football in a slip and slide um it it did not look good at all yeah It, it didn't look good at all and i think that did play a factor in this game but anyway, Bologna lined up in their 4 2 3 1 formation with Skorupski in goal, Cambiaso, Sosa, Lukumi, and Posh forming the back four with Dominguez and Schouten in the double pivot, Soriano was out on the left with Orsolini out on the right, and Barrow playing just ahead of Ferguson. For Inter, it was their 3-1-4-2 formation with Onana in goal and a backline of Darmian, Devri and Bastoni. Brozovic was the register in this game with Dumfries out on the right and Gossens out on the left. They had Mkhitaryan and Chalanoglu in the double pivot playing behind Martinez and Lukaku. So Barrow's goal in the 10th minute was rightly called off due to Dominguez interfering from an offside position. Referee Orzato also had to check out an apparent Darmian handball in the box in the build-up to all this. But the ball came off the Italian's body first, so no penalty was given. There was a lot of confusion that area. I didn't know what was going to happen. But I think Orzato did make the right call. He is one of the finest referees in the league. (laughs) In the 17th minute Soriano hit the crossbar with a curling attempt from inside the area, continuing to show that Bologna really wanted to get the victory over here and they genuinely did look better than Inter. And then in the 76th minute the goal finally came. It was a fantastic long ball by Schouten from his own half after he spotted the run of Orsolini. He put him in clean through on goal and the red hot Italian player Converted by smashing the ball into the net over the oncoming Onana. The guy is on some serious, serious form or Solini, man.
1: I've seen enough, bro. Just call him up to the national team.
0: Uh, Literally, I think so. I think so, especially when we're... Well, I was going to say, especially when we we're considering the right wing department, but the right wing department does have a certain Federico Chiesa. Well, yes, sure, there.
1: but Chiesa is capable of playing on the left as well. And, you know, I mean, Orsolini is very versatile as well. It's not like he's. Yeah, it doesn't mean he has to start either. Yeah, he doesn't have the... to start. He seems to be there. I mean, you have Zaniolo who's playing in Turkey nowadays. Call Orsolini up. Yeah. He's red yeah. hot. He's There's on a fire. idea as well, to be honest. Sure, no problem. Call them all up. Chiesa. Berardi or Solini on the right no, no, Those are your options you
0: know? I agree to He's 26
1: years old man And he's finally blowing up You know And and it's When you have a player Who is a protagonist For his club It's useful to have him On the national team Why not
0: Absolutely Absolutely Um, I do genuinely think That Bologna were the better team In this game yes. I, I don't think Inter deserved anything Out of this game You look at the total shots It was tied at 13-13 And um, bologna did have five shots on target to inter's four shots on target the xg was 1.27 for bologna and 1.02 for inter sure it was close but i do think that bologna dictated the play a bit better than inter did
1: yeah the double pivot of dominguez and the were incredible um again cambiazo on the left was amazing mm-hmm Um, Skorupski had a few good saves as well Um, but the Inter just struggle man in the final third nowadays it's it's so tough to see because because they got the shots off you know Martinez had three shots Lukaku had two shots Chalnoglu had two shots Mkhitaryan shot as well everyone everyone had an attempt and none of them managed to convert
0: yeah I mean you bang on Because following Their goalless draw With Sambloria And then this one They lost to Bologna Inter have actually Failed to score In successive Serie Away games now For the first time Since April 2018 It was three back then And they were under Luciano Spalletti Woof. Funnily enough But so the, the dry streak Is there It almost seems like At the moment If Lautaro isn't in form And he isn't getting the goals Then Inter are going to Struggle a little yeah. bit It doesn't necessarily mean That Lautaro will get the goals But he'll Contribute.
1: Did you to, see yeah. the the post match interview with Lukaku where the the camera was rolling and he didn't know and he said um, he said, "My God, my chest, how it looks! I look so good right now, or something like I'm, that." Basically, I'm in, uh, such, I'm in such, such good form. form. Like, are you are you
0: delusional? <laughs> You're in such good form. <laughs> I wouldn't even use the word form right Why now. Why would he say it like that? Why would he say it like... Maybe he's a jokester. I maybe guess you must have been kidding, a,
1: kidding around. I don't know, man. But are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> Especially after all that midnight cheese. You remember <laughs> that? that, that you made me laugh fun, so man. much that episode. That's like, fun. what is it about Lukaku? I think he enjoys his midnight cheese. I <laughs> have <That. laughs> too much. That was genius. <laughs> and Bologna, are definitely, they have become a bogey team for Inter. Um, and in addition to that it was Inter away in Bologna it was a midday kickoff on a Sunday with terrible pitch conditions considering the history between the teams as well if I were an Inter fan I don't even think I would have put the game on like that's a (laughs) recipe for fucking disaster
1: like yeah totally I mean you don't want to play these guys Unless the pitch is perfect, right? I mean, yeah. right now you look at Bologna and that's the thing. You no, know, when, you, when you're a top side like, like Inter in the league, you know, you're a top four team and you come against a team like Bologna, these guys are going to give their all to beat you. Never mm-hmm. a manager who used to play for Inter as extra personal motivation for Motta yeah. um, there's the fact that these guys Bologna might actually be challenging for a European place the fact that they're on such good form the fact that they're playing at home and they're actually used to these conditions it, it, it all plays a part um, Inter were they got shafted this game yeah. quite frankly they got shafted um, in front of all the 28,000 fans and the beautiful Bologna tower um, yeah
0: Yeah, I I can't quite understand Inter right now because despite their big wins over Napoli and Milan in 2023, they've still managed to drop points to Monza, where they drew. They lost to Empoli. They drew to Sampdoria. Now they lost to Bologna since 2023 began. So as much as you look at the big victories they've had and, and, and you think that they made a massive improvement from the beginning of the season, no, brother, I think just the teams around them slipped up Enough To allow them to be in second place I really think that there's still a lot of work To be done to that Inter team Which is funny Because when they're on form When they're playing well There's only one team that can move the ball around Like they do in all of Italy And that's Napoli The way Inter The chemistry they have between their players The way they go forward The way they play the ball up from defence They're incredible But sometimes... It's either like it's one hundred percent, and they're doing it incredibly and flawlessly, or as they can't even get the ball to Brozovic. Yeah. Like, look, I, I
1: I think they'll be back. I, I like I'm talking about the next next match. They'll be back. Yeah. Um, Brozovic has just come back from injury. Look at this game; they weren't even playing Barella. They're missing DeMarco right now. Um, with those guys in, I think that uh, the game would have taken a completely different turn. Um, it's the fact that again. In theory, their their main boys are back, right? Brozovic, and Shalhanoglu, and Barella are all available. But mm. Barella wasn't featured, he didn't feature this game. As in, he came on as a substitute, granted, but it was already the 63rd minute when he came on, you know? Yeah. Could have made a difference early on. Um, and it's, again, I, I feel like Inter are getting weaker and weaker, slowly. And like, it's not mm. obviously deteriorating, mm-hmm. but every season they're weakening ever so slightly. Mm. Um, and and the, the solutions That they go for Are At the moment Financially Favorable Solutions You look at Bringing in Mikitarian Who's toward, yeah. at, at the twilight End of his career uh, Zeko. Granted, Yeah exactly Zeko um, Yeah, These are guys Who are old They're, they're almost Done you know mm. But granted They're still good options For you But then at the end of the day when When you don't have Any other options
0: available You're stuck playing These guys Yep yeah exactly exactly and and that's the thing I mean they they did try to make some signings for the future as well um, with Aslani and uh, yeah. Bellanova
1: Bellanova as well but Bellanova again is a player who who played okay at Cagliari but at the end of the day he's a Milan reject yeah. you no know? he was shipped off to France he posted a picture of Calini's dick on Instagram <laughs> um, Google it <laughs> I dare you Google dare it you to Google. Bellanova Calini. Google it <laughs>
0: Uh-huh, man. And, and that that being said All we're saying about Inter I also feel bad for Whoever needs to play Bologna right now Because they the, Mota's figured it out yeah. Motta's figured out Alright, these are the guys I have This is what we we'll have to do to get them Play at their 100% And that's all we've been seeing them doing In 2023 It's playing at their 100% Sure, they dropped points to the likes of Monza For example, but Still, they they are one of the toughest teams you could face at the moment in Serie A.
1: For sure, for sure. They're one of the teams that's on the hottest form as, as it stands.
0: Absolutely, man. And in fact, they are up to 8th place. They're level on points with Juve on 35, whilst Inter are in 2nd place, level on points with Milan on 47.
1: Somebody get me a Gatorade, because it's time for the Derby della Mole. Juventus 4 <laughs> Torino 2 the reverse fixture was a 1-0 win for Juve the only goal coming through Vlaovic this was the 156th derby della mole in Serie A the last derby won by Torino away to Juventus was actually in April 1995 brother wow yeah I was a couple of months old why a Gatorade I need the energy, bro. There are many goals.
0: Ah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I think I, I Red Bull more than anything. I think I get ready. You normally take Gatorade when you have a weird stomach, like.
1: Yeah, it's true. Gatorade for me is just PTSD of all the times I've been sick in my life. <laughs> Only Barcelona have achieved more wins without conceding than Juve in the top 10 European leagues this season. Whoa, okay. 16 for Barca, 14 for Juve. Wow. Only Empoli have drawn more matches than Torino in 2023 in Serie A.
0: Oh my God, um, last season, Empoli only used to draw, remember? Exactly, that the second half exactly, of the season. yes. And now
1: they're back to those ways, apparently, because they have five draws in 2023 and Torino have four. Wow. And prior to this game, Torino were the only team in Serie A who hadn't scored from a corner.
0: Ooh, and even Milan have scored from a corner
1: Exactly, it only took until the second minute against Juventus for to score from a corner <laughs> But uh, we'll, we'll get into that So, for Juventus it was a 3-5-1-1 formation, give or take With Szczesny in goal, Alexandra at the back with Bremer and Danilo um, Kostic was out on the left, Quadrado was out on the right with Rabiot Barrensha and Fagioli in the middle. Now you wonder, who is this Barrensha? Barrensha is a 21-year-old youth player who actually displaced Paredes in the system over here. Um, goes to show how Paredes isn't included in Allegri's plans at all. Allegri seems to not rate Paredes, in fact, he started this guy ahead of him. And this guy did well, to be honest,
0: Bar-ren- Barrenetra. How
1: do you even pronounce his name? Barrenecha? Barrenetra.
0: I guess. Uh, I was quite impressed by him, bro. He put, he yeah. put in a good performance. And, and first game, Derby della la Mole. Very good, bro. Yeah. Very good.
1: Yeah. What, what a fucking baptism of fire that was. Yeah. Di Maria played behind Dusan Vlaovic. For Torino, it was a 3-4-2-1 formation with Milinkovic salvaging goal, Gigi Schuers and Bongiorno at the back. Singo on the right, Ricardo Rodriguez on the left with Illich and Linetti in the middle. Miranchuk and Karamok playing off the the shoulders (laughs) of Sanabria. So again, as I mentioned before, it was in the second minute that um, Karamok managed to score. It was a corner. um, Bongiorno headed the ball to Karamok, who controlled it with his uh, thigh, and shot on the turn, beating Chesney. In the 16th minute, Costage crossed the ball in. Quadrado volleyed it. It deflected off of Rodriguez and off the head of Shores on the way in. Uh, still comes as a Quadrado goal. I think it hit Shores when it had crossed the line. In yeah. Fact. yeah. Um, another goal for Quadrado in the Derby. Mr. Mr. Derby mm. himself. Mr. Yeah. Morley. Mr. Mole. Mr. La Cocaracha. <laughs> La Cocaracha. That's a good nickname for him. Mm-hmm. In the 43rd minute, Torino took the lead again. This time to Sanabria with an excellent first time finish after an amazing Elish pass. Um, amazing Elish pass. It was a good forward pass, but the finish was astounding, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Low,
0: hard, and accurate. In Chesney's near post as well. Yeah. You wouldn't expect that. At the end of the first half,
1: you've actually managed to find an equaliser through a Di Maria corner. It was a Danilo header into the post, and it looked like Vanya had saved it, but it had crossed the line when he parried it out. In fact, the goalkeeper was like, What a save! But no, <laughs> it, it, it had gone in. Um, so it's half time. The score is 2 2. And then, um, triple substitution for Max Allegri. He took out Cuadrado Di Maria and Barenetra I keep struggling and he brought on De first man to come on um, Chiesa and Pogba and bro Chiesa and Pogba changed the tempo of the entire game yeah they changed the game um, the second half kicked off with uh, Fagioli releasing Vlaovic with the crossbar. Um, again, a popping start. Typically, that's a favorable position for Vlaovic but he he couldn't get it this time. Shortly after that, Linetti's first-time curler hit the post as well. Like you look at that two fucking beautiful. posts. This is the second uh, the match. So we're spoiled on a Tuesday night. All this on a Tuesday night, guys. <laughs> And then in the 71st minute, once again, a Juve set piece. They are, honestly, like who the fuck are Roma? It's Juve when it comes to the set pieces, man. Devastating they are. You're probably right. Short corner to Chiesa, cross Bremer header. And what a header it was, dude. So acrobatic. Fucking changed direction midair. The way he moved his head was amazing. And he scored 3-2 for Juventus. Um, Bremer, you know, you'd think he wouldn't celebrate scoring against Torino, but he went mental. He went went mad. Fucking chest bumping everyone around him, freaking out you can't not man you can't not it's a derby right yeah and you know I mean you're getting paid by this team yeah you're representing this team now yeah 74th minute, there was a double, a triple whammy by Juric. He actually took out Radonic, who he had brought on in the 60th minute after 14 minutes of play. There's a whole situation behind that. Um, we'll get into it later. But the triple substitution did not get the job done, as in the 81st minute, there was another set piece goal by Juve. Um, Kostic free kick. Laid it off, um, eventually it was crossed in to the far post and it came to Rabio who tapped it in. Yeah. There was a VAR check which, which took a while, but it turns out the, the player was onside and the goal stood. And that was pretty much it, 4-2 for Juventus. What a game, massive fucking roller coaster of emotions for all the Juve fans out there. But let's get into the talking points. So first of all, bro, Juventus set pieces.
0: I mean... Ever since they got Di Maria as well, um, he has been a protagonist in that area for them. And yeah, but it's it's where they're most dangerous. They do have the likes of Bremer, they have the likes of Vlaovic. Um, among others, who are very capable in the air, even Rabiot, for example, is is very capable in the air. We saw Danilo being capable in the air as well. So uh, it's always great to have that to your Arsenal because when things aren't going in your favour and you've down twice in this game, they were able to rely on their set pieces to get them back into exactly. the game.
1: Exactly. Yes, and you need um, two players on Vla, which at least, which always frees up one of the big boys at the back um which is another talking point by the way because I've seen people talking about Vlaovic's which is dry spell and I want to I want to give my take on that um Vlaovic in the last 10 games has four goals and two assists which yeah. is a good return for yeah. a striker. Um plus apart from the goals you look at his hold up play. It's fantastic. Yeah. He's so good up front.
0: Yeah. And and I think it 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 goes to show how good he is. Because at Fiorentina He was the guy in the space Put the ball in front of him He's going to get there and score And now he's showcasing a different part of his game And it takes a very good player To adapt to the system of a team And flourish in it And doesn't expect the entire team To change for his play style He's in a Max Allegri um, style And he is the perfect candidate As a striker for a Max Allegri style
1: That's true bro um, he's playing the system Very well Fajoli is another Talking point of mine bro He looks raw Some pl- some passes Were inaccurate um, But hot damn Is he creative huh?
0: He is very creative And, and he's very direct Fajoli, yeah, For, for his age again. He's very Very adventurous yeah. man, which, which I like about him You have a lot of Young talent in midfielder
1: Yeah For sure bro um, I mean You look at the likes Of Marietti this um guy whose name gives me aids um (laughs) barren extra there's
0: rovella Rovella all right he's not as young as he used to be obviously but he's still a young local guy um and yeah i think juve barring obviously all of the you know they were docked 15 points they had all their drama around them i think they have a very sustainable future ahead of them and I think In the near future We will be seeing Juve dominance again In the league man
1: Oh it could definitely be It could definitely be Um, I want to highlight Once again The in-game management By Allegri Was fantastic This game He really turned the game around Um, Kudos to him Um, Let's get into The Radonjic situation So Radonjic Came on In the 60th minute And was subbed off In the 74th minute And um, Was visibly upset With Juric who just essentially looked like he was just telling him to fuck off at that point. Yeah. Um, post-game comments by Juric, he said, I have not managed to turn Radonjic into a football player. He says, the kid clearly has talent, but um, he he didn't even seem to know that the third goal was his fault because he didn't press Keza on the corner. Mm. The ball was played short to Keza, and Radonjic didn't press him. And Juric was quite upset. He said, there are two types of players. There are players who press well in that situation players who go in and there are players who press lackadaisically but they yeah. still press you know the fact that this guy didn't even press goes to show that he's not even a football player
0: mm. and, and obviously looking at those words yeah. we can only think that they're harsh Yeah. but then again he's with him every day in training and then there's mm. clearly something he sees that that upsets him and, and I think it's a lack of football IQ really for, yeah, yeah, for Radovich yeah, yeah. Yeah, lack of tactical awareness. Um, he's
1: got two Serie A goals and one assist plus two goals in the Coppa Italia. Radonjic, not a flying start for him. And um, apparently um, his buyout clause was triggered by
0: mistake. Yeah, yeah, The Torino didn't even know yeah. that they triggered his buyout clause. And now they have to spend 2 million yeah, on a player on that, a they, player don't that want. they
1: want to sell. Exactly. Know? So maybe they'll get a markup of him? Maybe. Um, I think someone's losing his job, though.
0: <laughs> I think so. I think so, bro.
1: Bonucci's last three say, appearances have totaled about 10 minutes of football.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think he is entering the latter stages of his oh, career he's now. He's
1: entered them all, right?
0: <laughs> but, but I do think that he has a bit of a Zlatan effect on the team. He is Mr. Juve at the moment. No, he is the longest serving player w- within their squad. Um, Albeit, obviously, it wasn't all dandy for him. He had that entire spat with Allegri in the Champions League final that allowed him to totally lose the dressing room and get trashed by Real Madrid. He then forced a move to Milan, um, spent six months making mistakes at Milan, yeah. and then picked it up in the last six months of the of the campaign. Um, not exactly six months, but whatever. Um, and then forced another move, Back to Juve, so he has lost a lot of the fans along the way. But I do think that he has a magnificent presence yes, within yes. the team. And there's the a great
1: room. amount of pedigree that comes along with Bonucci. You look at the legendary player who formed part of the BBC, you no, know, the Barzali Bonucci, Calini, and Buffon, and goal legendary. Yeah, um, nine title-winning Juve team. That yeah, it was crazy. So if it weren't for the points deduction Juventus would currently be in second Do you think they can win the appeal? If they win the appeal they're up to second
0: I don't know if if they can win the appeal I think um, there is a shout that, that says maybe they can win the appeal Because you look at certain irregularities within other clubs Napoli being one of them with the signing of Victor Osiman, for example Um but then obviously Juve just have so much more shit eh, over, over the past couple of Apparently years. Apparently
1: the, the evidence is, it's so obvious. Like, like you see okay. conversations between Juve and other clubs and the Juve directors, you know, um, basically stating the actual value of a player compared to the value that they would be
0: getting wow, for man. the player. Then it's blatant and I don't think there's a world where they can get away I, with it
1: i don't think the the courts will overrule the appeal simply because um italian pride (laughs) (laughs)
0: you know they've
1: issued the punishment they're not going back they're not going back that's fair enough that's fair enough so yes um good unlucky torino it was a good game um by them they put on a, a really good fight um, it was a shame that there was a situation with the corner where Adoni didn't quite press and all of a sudden they found themselves trying to get that third goal to equalize and they ended up conceding the other yeah. way um, good game by Torino they sit in ninth right now 31 points while Juventus have climbed to seventh with 35 points
0: yeah I'd like to add that Um hopefully the the owners of Torino and the president of Torino show a little bit more urgency to sign players to replace Bremer to replace Bellotti because I really would like to see Juric stay on at Torino and and really prove what he can do at that team because he has a very good set of players to do that with and if they have belief in him then they can go a long way under his guidance
1: Juric was asked, who is the best centre-back you have ever managed? Now, he's actually managed Christian Romero as well um, at
0: Genoa. Mm. Um, He picked Bremer. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. The next game we're going to be covering is the biggest upset in the league so far. It was Cremonese two, Roma. One Cremonese's first victory in Serie A last week i made a very bold statement i said that um roma and inter are tied for second um behind napoli as the best teams in the league and then i went on to say that Cremonese won't win a single game of football this season and i was proved very very wrong over here
1: i prefer really not to um, not to speak
0: and speak i shan't Roma won one nil in the reverse fixture, but this is their second loss against Cremonese this season. As the underdogs knocked the Giallorossi out of the Coppa after beating them with the same scoreline. If well, I so- speak, I am in, in big trouble. I shall continue. Cremonese lined up in their 3 4 3 formation with Carnesecchi in goal and the back line of Vasquez, Bianchetti, and Ferrari. They had Valeri out on the left and Sernicola out on the right with Benassi and Pickle in the midfield. With Okereke out on the left, Afenajan out on the right, and Saju up front.
1: So back in! <laughs> <laughs>
0: For Roma, they had Chris Smalling suspended. Therefore, they lined up in their 3-4-1 formation with Patricio on goal on the back line of Mancini, Ibanez and Kumbulla. They had Zalewski out on the right and Spinazzola out on the left with Cristante and Wijnaldum in the midfield. They had Dybala and Pellegrini playing off of the shoulders of Bellotti. Obviously, Abraham was still carrying a bit of an injury after he got studded in his eye last week. So, a little bit of swelling. He looks very uncomfortable. But yeah, that's the situation. So the 17th minute, Cremonese opened the scoring. Valeri chested the ball down to Tsaju, setting him up for a half-volley. Saju hit it with his outstep and into the top corner. Proving you right once again, bro. This uh, Milan youth product is really proving to be something quite special.
1: I can't believe it, bro. I'm I'm trying to figure out what I was wearing or or the way I said it, (laughs) like... How did I just mention
0: this guy and he scored in two games in a row of a It was you a know. quick... Oh, by the way, just shout out to Tsajun. Mm. He's a great player. Milan youth product. He's six foot whatever, like... <laughs> even, he even has his own celebration now, like... With really... the, the goggles, with the sides. <laughs> so the game then went to halftime... I think Mourinho must have had a bit of a, a spat with his team, telling them, look, we need to get our shit together. We're not fucking losing against Cremonese. We're supposed to be up by now and we're down one nil. Um forty-sixth minute, Mourinho gets dismissed for descent and it's his third red card of the season, more than any other player has received this year as well. Do you know what went down? The details? So, uh, yes. Um, uh, so apparently the, the the fourth official exchanged some words with Mourinho and Mourinho said, oh, I wish I was recording what he said to me. Yeah. Um, apparently he told him something along the lines of, bro, you're looking stupid like you're losing said, to Cremonese.
1: So apparently there was a disagreement on the pitch between Cremonese and Roma players and Mourinho inquired, the fourth official, he asked him, what's up, what's, what's going on? And the fourth official allegedly told Mm. Mourinho to mind his own fucking business, Um, which got a massive reaction by the Roma bench and Mourinho himself, Um, to which essentially it resulted in Mourinho getting sent off and the fourth official calling Mourinho a joke, saying that no one takes him seriously.
0: Yeah, um, I was planning on saying this after the, um, after the play-by-play, but actually Mourinho did speak out after it, um, and I quote, he said, I am emotional, but I'm not crazy. In order to react the way I did, something had to happen first. I need to understand if I can take any legal action, Piccinini gave me a red card because unfortunately the fourth official does not have the capacity to understand what he said to me. (laughs) Now you're going to hear the word Piccinini, you're going to hear the word Serra. Piccinini is the referee, while Serra is the fourth official. But funnily enough, Piccinini was the fourth official the last time Mourinho got sent off. So he's been there with Mourinho and he's exchanged words with Mourinho as well. Um, Mourinho said, I want to find out if there is an audio recording. I don't want to get into the fact that Serra is from Turin and on Sunday we are playing against Juventus. So a bit of a call of corruption over there. Um, For the first time in my career, a fourth official spoke to me in the most incredible way. It was unjustifiable. At the end of the game, I went to speak to them. Piccinini, who was the fourth official in the last game when I was sent off, told me to apologize to Serra. I told Serra... He should have had the courage to explain what happened, but apparently he had memory problems. (laughs) So a lot of shade by Mourinho. Um, He wasn't capable of talking too much about the game and he was really focused on the spad that he had. And as a result of that in the 46th minute, losing Mourinho instantly when they're 1-0 down to Cremonese must have had a bad effect on the players as well as they were all... Losing their fucking minds Throughout the game They were constantly on in possession Looking hurried, looking pissed off Yelling at each other um, Getting stuck in And and yeah, it was an absolute mess from then on out However, in the 71st minute Spinazzola managed to pull one back It was an incredible ball by Mancini From his own half Who found Spina with acres of space around him And clean through on goal He really took his time And then finished cleanly Making it 1-1 After that, I thought, okay Roma are going to win in Roma fashion now You know what I mean However, in the 83rd minute Chofani scored the perfect penalty After Patricio brought down Okereke in the box Some say it was harsh As contact was minimal And Okereke made a meal of it I think he did make a meal of it I think it was minimal But I think it was enough to drop him When he's moving at that pace And what he did deny him A clear goal scoring opportunity So Cremonese at 2 Roma won, obviously there's what I said last week that really got got proven wrong. But I think rather than focusing on how wrong I was, let's focus on what an upset this is. Let's Let's focus on how right I was. (laughs) I I said that win a game. (laughs) (laughs) You said that win a game and you said I'm overrating Roma. You You were bang on, but what an upset this was, bro. What What an an absolute upset. And you look at
1: the way... That Cremona won this game, bro. They had the least possession in this match day, and yeah. then they had the second most distance covered behind Lazio. So you can tell that they worked their ass off for this fucking victory. Um, you look at the fact that, as well, they, they had this moment in the 81st, 82nd minute, whatever, when Chofani stepped up to take that penalty. All the pressure of the world on this guy's shoulders. And he converts man and you can see how much it means to him at the end of the game he was crying you know you yeah. can see all the scenes were just so incredible man it meant so much to them and, and well deserved that they were such a unit and they, were, they looked impenetrable
0: uh, absolutely man absolutely I agree with you I think the back three was fantastic Vasquez, Bianchetti and Ferrari I think they were really really good um, I think Cremoners as midfield was mm-hmm. excellent in this game They defended really well And they played the ball Cleanly and nicely They didn't take risks um, Shout out to Especially Benassi, Benassi so What a game good. he had yeah. Piquel was decent as well And then just Okereke and Afenergian, especially Okereke, were fantastic when it came to carrying the ball forward into space Mm -hmm. because there was a lot of space at times by Roma. They were getting caught out and Okereke was doing a fantastic job of exploiting that and Afenergian's pace as well was pivotal in this game.
1: Yeah, not the return game. Wijnaldum would have wanted, right?
0: Not at all, and and I I do think that that would have con- contributed a little bit. Not not Wijnaldum per se, but I think. Mourinho's shifted things a lot in that midfield. Um, He's tried out Pellegrini over there alongside Cristante. He's tried Matic alongside Cristante. And now he has Wijnaldum, who is the the obvious contender to start over there. Um, And he tried him out as well. And he would have thought it was the right time because it's a game against Cremonese, but apparently not, man. And I really think they were weak in that department, in the midfield department.
1: Definitely. Um, you look at the fact that Benassi and Pickle drove them mad, and you look at the gap between the midfield and defense when Okereke and Afanajan were driving towards them, and even Saju looked quite dangerous. Um, even in the second half, you know, late on in the game when Ramo were pushing for a victory, there are many moments where we almost saw four v three situations yeah. with is leading the charge. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't the best game by Roma um, You can tell they were distracted By maybe the antics of Mourinho Off the bench mm. He brought on Tammy Abraham mm. to try to solve it Along with Matthew to bring on the experience And maybe Karstorp for that explosiveness But it didn't quite work out for them Cremonese were too tight It was a Davide Ballardini masterclass
0: It absolutely was And it was very similar to the Coppa Italia game That we saw um, uh, There is that little bit of history now Between those two teams A bit of a bogey team maybe Cremonese for Roma mm. but Roma will obviously be distraught after Inter dropped three points and then Roma dropped three points as well so a real failed opportunity here Mourinho um, now obviously misses the Juve game but he is getting that appealed and we'll see what happens next weekend
1: yeah, we'll see. I mean, if if it actually went down the way more you said it went down, that's not really
0: fair, is it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, one more thing I'd like to mention before we move on is Bellotti. Bellotti mm-hmm. has now played 23 matches mm-hmm. um, and he hasn't scored. Well, he hasn't scored in 23 matches, essentially, um, which is very, very disappointing. He doesn't have a single Serie A goal to his name this season. Last time he scored was for Torino in Serie A. Um, And yeah, the guy just needs to find that goal in Serie A. Yeah,
1: I mean, you look at a player right now like Bellotti, who was everything for that Torino team. Yeah. Everything. All the goals and assists came through him. Um, A player who struggles with form, an emotional player. A player who struggles with confidence when things don't go his way. Um, And right now you can really tell that uh, his confidence isn't the best and, and it's quite surprising because he actually got a goal in, in the Europa League yeah, did. against Salzburg mm-hmm. um, so let's see how it develops I mean again Tammy Abraham had the same issue a couple of months back yeah but he's bounced since the fact that Bellotti was forced to start this game because maybe Tammy's injury didn't, probably didn't play to his favour um, Bellotti um, he probably saw it as an opportunity and overthought it
0: <laughs> yeah maybe you know
1: Um, I I do think that if Bellotti finds his footing it'll be coming
0: off the bench I think so as well I think so I think even stylistically for Roma and for Mourinho's preferences having a big striker up there which is good with the ball at his feet um, is how Mourinho wants to play and it's how Roma are better suited to play as well so I think they'll focus on getting the best out of Tammy and then whoever comes off the bench for him they'll hope at least it's someone that can get goals Roma sit in fifth now on 44 points, while are now they climb up to 19th on 12 points, ahead of Sampdoria by one point and behind Verona by five points.
1: The next game we're going to be covering is Lazio 1, Sampdoria nil. The reverse fixture was a 1-1 draw. Goals came through Immobile and the late Gabbiadini equaliser. Lazio have won 11 of their last 14 Serie A matches against Sampdoria with two draws and one loss. Um, the draw, one of the draws obviously coming in the reverse fixture. Lazio are unbeaten in their last 17 home games against Sampdoria, and Sampdoria <laughs> are the team against which Chiro Immobile has scored the most goals in Serie A uh, 15 goals in 18 games.
0: Fucking hell, history did not rewrite itself, <laughs> definitely not, because
1: this game was a series of Immobile blunders. If you yeah. put put on the highlights and put on the Benny Hill song (laughs) you know just a mobile missing chance after chance after chance Um, Lazio were actually full strength this game the only player that was doubtful for this was Pedro but he actually started for Sampdoria Conti was out of course Um, Mm -hmm. Gunter was out and Ignacio Pussetto was out now I'm sorry but I didn't get the memo
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what I'm thinking Pussetto Pussetto How
1: is Since when Pussetto at Sampdoria I have no Pusetto idea Pussetto at Udineza Or Watford One of them every year Like When did he When did he join Sampdoria But anyway Mm-hmm. Um, for Lazio it was a usual four-three-three formation with Provedel in goal Maricic on the left Lazzari on the right with Patrick and Trasale at the back Luis Alberto Cadaldi and Milinkovic Savic for the midfield three with Pedro on the left Philippe Anderson on the right and Immobile up front for Sampdoria, it was a 3-4-1-2 formation with Audero in goal, Amione, Nuiting and Zanoli at the back, Leris on the right, Augello on the left, Rincon and the Winks in the middle with Quisansu just ahead of them and a striking partnership of Gabbiadini and Lammers. Now I have divided this game into the first half and the second half, right? And I'm just going to give you a quick sequence of what happened.
0: That's a really good start, by the way. Just dividing the game that way is really good.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a natural (laughs) So the first half, we had an immobile shot um, that hit his own arm. (laughs) We had Cuisance being played through, taking too many touches, cutting in to try to curl it in, even though he was on his own. He basically waited for the defender and the shot got blocked. And then he put his hands up. He was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> Pedro hit the near post from a tight angle after Audero stopped Philip Anderson's powerful strike. And then the ball fell to Immobile, who had an empty net from a bit of an awkward angle, to be mm-hmm. fair, but he missed the target completely. He it. Mm-hmm. That was the first half over in a nutshell. The second half started, and first first thing that happened was Maricic heading um, Gabbiadini through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the opposite... The opposition striker, you know, Marasich headed the ball back to his own defender and is <laughs> suddenly one-on-one. But for some reason, was shot immediately straight to the keeper. Mm. Immobile has skied another 1v1. Um, there was a nice Immobile dummy letting the ball f- play through to Sergei Milenkovic, who played the ball perfectly through to Marasich, who was one-on-one, but shot wide. <laughs> so for now, this is a series of unfortunate events for yeah. Lazio. But thankfully for Lazio, they have old reliable over there in midfield. If it's not Sergei Malinkovic, Savic or Chiro Mobile, it is, of course, Luis Alberto. Yes, sir. Um, I have never seen a player who is so dissatisfied that his club performs so well, so consistently for them.
0: That's like a second season in a row.
1: Oh, he's been fucking talking shit about Lazio and the fact that they don't pay the wages, but they afford to get a new team bus or. A new team playing, you know, or they don't play. You know all the, all the shade being thrown, and him looking at the president after they score, and and chatting all sorts of shit. But eventually, he does always keeps winning them games. Yeah. Um, this time it was Bram Nuitink who cleared the ball into the path of um, Luis Alberto, who shot the ball, curled the ball perfectly from outside the area into the top corner. Shades of his goal against Inter. Yeah, um, which was extremely similar.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed. And he has proven to be a big game player as yeah. well. And obviously you might say this game against Sampdoria isn't a big game, but when you're nil-nil in the 80th minute, it's a big and important stage that you're on. And he steps up in these moments, man, Luis Alberto. The second half of the season, he's really, really, really stepped it up. But Stepped it up per se, but he's being given the opportunity and he's showing Sari exactly what he was missing for the first half of the season.
1: Totally, bro. um A hard fought victory for Lazio. They ran their socks off. They created so many chances. By the end of it, Sampdoria must have been like, oh my God, we might actually get something despite being uh,
0: Sampdoria. So, <laughs> yeah, despite
1: being Sampdoria. <laughs> yeah. Um, 54% ball possession for Lazio, 10 shots, 4 of them on target. For Sampdoria, it was 5 shots, 2 of them on target. Could have gone either way, to be honest, if it weren't for that moment of brilliance by Luis Alberto. Agreed. Immobile nowadays is 33 years old. He's on 9 goals this season. When do you think, at what age do you think, Immobile stops hitting double figures in the league?
0: I think he's got another season left doing it. And then maybe I think he'll start slowing down. I think mm-hmm. as well, we are starting to see, might be harsh, but we are starting to see his efficiency go down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I know he had his injuries as well, and I'm not saying by any way, shape, means or form that he's not a top striker in Italy. But I do think that within two years, we will start to see the decline. And we'll have some early early signs of it as well, I think.
1: Fair enough, yes. He certainly isn't as sharp as he was. Perhaps it could be because he's returning from injury. Exactly. Perhaps it could be because he's getting older. Um, We'll see. I think that with Immobilist's skill set, he can hit double figures for the next three, four years.
0: Wow, okay. Double
1: figures for him. It's
0: nothing. It could be, and he has the service as ticks, well.
1: Takes penalties, you know. Mm. I think he could do it. And in Italy, you get to see these seasoned strikers still scoring quite a bit. Mm. Fair enough. Now, Milinkovic Savic, bro. He has been involved in just two goals in the last 13 games played in syria One goal and one assist. This is his longest such streak since December 2019. Mm. Um, where he scored two goals in 18 appearances. It was between December and July. December 2019, July 2020. Mm. So a bit of a dip for him, but... Well,
0: I mean, he didn't have Chiro around. Yeah, exactly. And then Chiro came back and then he missed a bunch of chances. Exactly. So I think there's <laughs> one man to blame over there. There's also a, a slight shout that says... Since Luis Alberto is in the team, then maybe Milinkovic-Savic isn't as involved going forward Mm. just for the balance of that midfield as well. I think when you see Vecino, for example, forming part of that midfield, Savic is allowed to go forward much more. But now Luis Alberto, his natural position is playing behind the striker. So I think he's been given a little bit more liberty going forward. And I think... Milinkovic-Savic does need to kind of be a bit more box-to-box rather than a, an attacking-minded midfielder.
1: That is true, definitely. Um, plus the fact that he should have had an assist this game, Marasich with a terrible miss. Yeah, um, bro. Nothing annoys me more than Pedro wearing the number nine. It's so annoying, man. Why? It's, it's so annoying. Why is he wearing the nine? I he really should be a seven or a ten. Like, literally, what the literally. fuck is he doing wearing? Or an
0: eleven? Like, or an
1: eleven? Sure, like, twenty-two. Like. Take something, not the nine, dude. My God Immobile should be the night
0: Exactly But I, I don't know what it is With, with Italy Per se yeah. I, With Italy I remember William Gallas For Arsenal Wearing the number 10 Bro yeah. A centre back like Lasana Sana Diara At Real Madrid Wearing the number 10 I remember Guzman for Chievo Wearing the 1 Oh my god! <laughs> That's gross, man. It's it like was a, Do you think the number zero will ever be introduced to football? They do it in basketball. They do it in. They American do it in basketball. There's zero the in zeros, yeah. Oh
1: shit! I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay, hopefully never. <laughs> <laughs> um, for Sampdoria, right? I mean, not a bad performance. Um, classic, no goals. Stankovic continues to defend his players, saying that the strikers. Are up to par That they're good That um, They have been Severely mis Unlucky yeah. Unfortunate um, For me A player Who has What it takes To turn this around For Sampdoria Who has shown Good moments Of the bench Is new boy Heather Rodriguez huh? Um I really like the way he's he's been playing. He looks kind of unfit right now and Stankovic mm-hmm. has actually addressed it. That they're trying to find his fitness. But this is a player that paired with Cuisance can add a bit of um, creativity, a bit of a spark to this Sampdoria team. Because Gabbiadini and Lamers do need their service. And the more outlets they have, the better.
0: Yes, 100%. Good addition to the team, however, not a very strategic one, in my opinion. When you look at some of the players they've brought in, including their manager, there's a bit of a lack of Serie A experience over there, which isn't great for a team that is on, you know, on the verge of relegation. Mm-hmm. So you have Cuisance, who, okay, he was at Venezia last year and he was at Venezia this year, so they called him up from Serie B. You have Harry Winks coming from the Prem. You have uh, Hesse Rodriguez coming on that has never smelt the Serie A in his life. And the coach as well, um, getting him from Serbia. I really don't think there's enough Serie A experience with their additions. They have Serie A experience everywhere else, mm. but that hasn't worked out for them yet.
1: Mm-mm-mm.
0: So I, I, I do think that they need to be a bit more strategic with who they're bringing in. If they want to fight relegation and maybe bring in some some more... Rincóns, <laughs> so, so, so to say some more experts yeah i mean
1: it's all about connecting the midfield to the attack that they seem to struggle to do so much yeah. you mentioned say experience it's true cuisans does have a season playing in Serie A with venezia but he's still an unproven youngster at the end of the day a, a former bayern munich prodigy i believe yeah um and that's where Hesse might come in as well. Once again, not say are uh, proven. Perhaps that's the position where they should have brought in someone with a bit of pedigree. Perhaps a Caprari type player, a Di Francesco type player. Someone exactly. to literally connect that midfield to the attack. Um, that's that's the problem, in my opinion, because you look at Gabbiadini, he seems all right, form-wise. Yeah. He's in shape, he, he's shooting every game, you know, it's just mm-hmm. that he's not being put in positions to succeed. And Lammers, as well, is another striker who's, who doesn't have much Serie A experience, you know, okay, okay, granted, he came from Atalanta, but he never had a starting role. Exactly. So, that was a bit of a risk for them, and it doesn't seem to be paying off. Granted, he had a pretty good game this game, but,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. No, I think that... The, Exactly what you're saying Their decision making Has just been off When it comes yeah. to Their recruitment And I don't think They're in a situation It's sink or swim Right yeah. now And and I think They're sinking I, I think the They're Working hard And they're not Getting any results Because of that Because of the, the Poor decisions That have been made Across the board
1: Yeah So Yes um, It was A hard fought Victory for Lazio But they got The job done and they currently sit in fourth with 45 points, while Sampdoria currently sit in 20th yeah. with 11 points, dead last. They've been jumped by Cremonese.
0: Yes, sir. The next game we're going to be covering is Udinese 2, Spezia 2. The previous encounter was also a draw, and that was with the result of 1 1. So Bijol was suspended for this match. Delafeu and Ebosse were still injured, um, along with Mutinio, Zurukovski, Bastoni, and home for Spezia. Udinese lined up in a 3 5 2 formation with Silvestri in goal and Mazina, Beccau, and New at the back. With Odogi out on the left, Ezebue out on the right, with Lovrich, Wallace, and Pereira in the midfield, with Beto and Isaac Success up front. For Spezia, they played a 4-2-3-1 formation. They had Drangovski in goal and the back line of Amian, Ampadu, and Andrejka had Borabia and Egdal in midfield with Verde out on the right, Jassi out on the left and Agudelo playing behind Inzola who is back in full fitness. The influence. Yes, sir. In the sixth minute, Inzola opened the scoring. Um, success lost the ball in a dangerous area. Egdal found Inzola who beat a defender for pace, rounded Silvestri and scored. It was a magnificent goal for Inzola. Back with a bang, really showing us what he has in his locker. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. In the 22nd minute, Beto got an equaliser. Success played Beto through well and Beto dribbled past Drangowski and netted. The linesman deemed the goal to be offside, but VAR found that Beto timed his run to perfection. It was actually the heel of the defender that kept Beto onside marginally. In the 55th, in the second half, Pereira... Scored, making it 2-1 for Udinese. Loverage found Pereira inside the area who controlled and counted the ball into the back of the net, beating Djokovski with a snapshot. Again, that's where you need Pereira. You need Mm. him in the midfield, you need him around the box, and that's where he'll perform. In the 72nd minute, Inzola got his second of the match and got an equaliser for Spezia. It was a fantastic, quick and slick counter-attack for Spezia, which ended with Agudelo playing Nzola through, who finished into Silvestri's near post. Inzola back with a bang for Spezia. They were really struggling for goals without him, bro. No,
1: totally, bro. Um, And I have a question for you, actually. Do you think that this victory... um, do you think the credit for this victory was not about Sorry, the credit for this <laughs> draw <laughs> and two goals scored by Spezia not world the Spezia score two goals. Does it go to Nzala
0: or to Simplici? So obviously that's something I hadn't addressed. It was Simplicri's first game in charge for Spezia. Um I think Semplici got a bit lucky having Inzola back on his first mm, yes.
1: match <laughs> makes him look a bit better
0: Yeah, but I think he did a good job I think you, you go away to Udinese on your first match so first you get the lead then Udinese turn into Udinese and they, they're they beating you 2-1 and the fact that Spezia were able to get back into the game um, says a lot about the way that they were set up and it shows that the coach has a plan B in mind um, but also a to- Definitely showcases the importance of Enzola and the team. But it's definitely a great start for Semplici. You talk about Serie A experience,
1: bro. Look at the Spezia side. Everyone here knows the league so well. Literally. There you go. Everyone. They've been together for so long. And even the players brought in like Mm. um, Is a player who knows the league very well. You look at fucking... um, What's his name? Ampadu, for example, yeah. was brought in from Venezia as well. He was a player who, granted, he got relegated with Venezia, but he was one of their best players. You know, yeah. can't, can't be said about
0: Crissants. Literally, exactly. Shomorodov as well. Shomorodov is another player. Very good. Yep. Good Serie A experience. So that, that, that's the way Spezia are set up. And obviously they haven't been doing fantastically this season. They're still sat in 17th place just out of the relegation zone but they're definitely doing better than Sampdoria yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if that's a direct comparison that we're mm. making over here
1: you know Caldara again Maldini Kovalenko um, even Rekha was brought in well. from yeah these they got Drambovski from Fiorentina they only buy local these guys
0: exactly and what a week it was for Spezia I mean getting a point against Udinese and Verona dropping three points as well and Spezia having a having a good performance it's it's definitely a step in the right direction for them
1: definitely inspiring um, they must be a bit worried seeing Salernitana Win so dominantly um, under their new coach as well, yeah. but uh, at the end of the day, this is a positive for them.
0: Exactly, exactly. I mean, they they have to focus on themselves, and hopefully, that's what Semplicio will do for them. For Udinese, they actually looked all right. Mm-hmm. They look decent in this game. They're very active. They had 15 total shots. They had six on target. And they had an XG of 2.5 goals to Spezia's 2.54. It was a very even affair. Um, Spezia really roasted the occasion over there. But for Udinese, bro, it's, it's the, the name of the game for them at the moment is wasted opportunities. They miss a lot and a lot of chances. And I think they're really missing Delefeuille up front, man.
1: Yeah, um, probably. I mean... Delphoe isn't only capable of scoring goals; he can also create them.
0: Yes, um, he's still injured. He's still there, he right? He's on the team still. Yeah, he he's out for a while as well. In fact, um, him him and the boss are out for a while, and and they Odineza dedicated their goals to them. And it's never good mm-hmm. when they when you start dedicating a goal to your teammate. Yeah, your yeah. teammate is fucked up. Your no, teammate, <laughs>
1: yeah. This is, uh no longer with us Um, (laughs) Thauvan came on in the 66th minute but didn't really influence the game did he
0: not not much I mean he, he does have flair Yes definitely. Bless him A lot of really? flair Really good ball control as well um, I saw a snippet of him The way he brought the ball down And turned at the mm-hmm. same time It was whew, Really really nice But it's he just needs dance. <laughs> I think he just needs time To settle into the league And to settle into Udinese I think Udinese Must be one of the most Difficult teams to settle into Because they almost seem like They're not settled into themselves
1: <laughs> That's a fucking fair enough point
0: <laughs> It's yeah. like one day Perias playing out on the right, one day is being played in the middle, one day Beto isn't scoring for nine games and then Beto's on a on a hot streak. One day success is your left winger and then he's playing up front. It's just a little bit all over the place. All over the place. Yeah. We saw what they were capable of. We saw that that was a run of form and it wasn't who as they are. But bless them, they'll always be a dangerous team. They have proven to be quite leaky as well. Um, In the goal that was scored by Inzola, the opening goal, for example, it was a terrible mistake by Success who tried to dribble out from the back. And the second he lost it, all it took was one pass to put Inzola pretty much clean through on goal. Okay, he had to beat a defender, but he was always going to beat him. And the turn of pace was great. The defender was flat-footed. And they just (coughs) had to round the goalkeeper and score. So, I mean... Ordinez are leaky, they're inconsistent, but their ceiling is high.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, if they turn up, they can shock many of the teams in this league. Um, The question is, will they turn up? And they're looking more and more inconsistent. You know, at the end of the day, a draw against Spezia is not a positive result, conceding two goals to Spezia is definitely negative. Granted, they have a new manager, but um, Spezia don't score, man.
0: Yeah, they uh, let score, and the strikers just come back from injury. Are oh, you letting him score too? Exactly, and and it's not only that. It's it's not the score line that worries me so much, but it's the fact that they were only just as good as Spezia in yep. this game. Spezia were as good as Udinese,
1: yeah.
0: And, and you know, maybe they maybe they could have gotten away with something more as well. But to be fair, Udinese missed their chances as well. But it was a two-two draw. Spezia did. Very well. I mean, getting a draw against Udinese right now is possible. So let's not get carried away with with Semplici and Spezia. Udinese sit in tenth place on thirty-one points, level on points with Torino, while Spezia are in seventeenth, three points clear of Verona and eighteenth.
1: Fiorentina,
0: Fiorentina, harder than anyone has ever Fiorentina before.
1: That is our listener, Zorig, our brother. (laughs) Thank you very much for the voice note. Um, He's a Fiorentina fan. And he sent that after their shambolic performance last week. (laughs) Now, it is good to see for him and for Fiorentina themselves that they are carrying some of their cup form into the league as they beat Verona away from home with the score of three goals to nil. The previous encounter was a two nil victory. Um, Goals came through Icone and Gonzalez.
0: And and a very informed Verona as well that they dismantled away from home. Not easy at all.
1: Yeah, definitely not. The last time Verona beat Fiorentina was on the 24th of November 2019. That was a 1-0 victory and the goal came through Di Carmine back then. Since then, it's been four draws and three Fiorentina wins. Mm. Hellas, Verona, as you said, were on great form. Um, They were unbeaten at home in 2023, along with Empoli, Napoli and Roma. They were the only four teams who were unbeaten in 2023. At home? Yes, at home. Now, Verona had Miguel Veloso out along with Milan Juric, Tomas Onri, and Hrustic. For Fiorentina, it was Milenkovic who was doubtful and, in fact, did not feature this game. Now. Verona lined up with a 3-4-1-2 formation with Montepo on goal, Davidovic, Hien and Maniani at the back with Doig on the left and Faroni on the right, Duda and Tamese were in the middle with Lazovic in the trequartista role with Lasagna and then Gonj up front. Um, I forgot to mention, of course, this game was um, Duda against Dodo, which is an interesting <laughs> thing to see. <laughs> For Fiorentina, it was a 4-2-3-1 formation with Terracciano in goal, Dodo on the right and Terracirch on the left with Igo and Martina Quarta as the centre-back duo. Mandragora and Amrabat were the midfield double pivot with Jonathan Iquane playing on the right wing, Nico Gonzalez on the left wing, Barak in the trequartista position and Cabral up front. The first goal came in the 12th minute when Ikone did Davidovic for pace, as he did many times in yeah. the opening moment of this game. And he squared it to Barak, who spanked it into the top right corner. ruolo del X.
0: Always and consistently.
1: Now, Barak's best season was with Hellas Verona, actually. He had 11 goals in 29 games, but he has also scored four in five games against Hellas Verona. Oh my God! And a few of those goals came in his Udinese game days as well. Yeah. The second goal came in the 38th minute. Um, it was a left-footed volley from a corner um, by Cabral. The corner was given by Mandragora. This was his fifth Serie A goal of the season. Prior to this, Lasagna missed an open header, which was set up wonderfully by um, Lazovic. Lasagna missing seems to be a theme this game. He should join Lazio. No. <laughs> In the 86th minute, um, Hellas almost got one back and would have climbed their way into the game and potentially um, set the way for a dramatic ending. But uh, Gage hit the post with his header. He couldn't quite get it. Um, And Gage has grown, huh? He has grown. He's looking good, bro. Mm -hmm. He's looking good. He's looking dangerous.
0: They're finding him. The second he starts finishing them, they're going to be a, a much more dangerous team.
1: I think we'll see more. From Gage in the future. I think so as well. And I wonder if this is the Saju effect, but we'll see. <laughs> in the 89th minute, it happened, man. It happened. It happened. Yep. Cristiano Biragi, dude. My God. Madonna, Free kick Madonna. from inside his own half, his teammates down, being helped by opposition players. Um, the referee deemed it legal. He kicked the ball, he shot the ball, fucking, from his own half over the goalkeeper and into the back of the net. montepo must be fuming and that is 3-0 for Fiorentina away from home in a very difficult game
0: yeah if there's anyone that can score that goal it's Beraghi man it's Beraghi that's why you take him off was it was (laughs) it on Sportsman like that was his first goal of the season by the way it was his first goal of the season Mm -hmm. and he also missed a penalty earlier that's
1: why you take (laughs) him off
0: was it on Sportsman like we've definitely seen worse we have definitely seen but was those. it
1: unsportsmanlike
0: yes yes for sure right you know I mean, your teammate is still down but yeah. technically if the referee gave you the green light then you can do whatever the fuck you exactly. want no? i mean so many
1: things are unsportsmanlike Exactly in the sport. You know Exactly. Cremone is uh, putting all their players in the box For a victory And relying on a penalty on a counter attack To win is unsportsmanlike
0: no? uh, I guess You know um, Like I'd, I'd say that as, as a thing. human As a human it it, it it is a little bit unsportsmanlike But he was well within his rights to do it man mm-hmm. The referee deems it legal You fucking do it You know I, what I, I mean really do it. It's not like they had to play fair play Or play the ball back to the the opponents. They had a free kick. The referee said play. His teammate was still down. Sure, he was being helped. But the guy helping him wouldn't have stopped the fucking ball from hitting the back of the net over there. So... It doesn't bother me, man. It really doesn't bother me.
1: The celebration was unsportsmanlike.
0: I the celebration was weird.
1: Pushing his teammates away, man. Shouting in their face, like, get away from me.
0: Oh, that was his moment, man. What the fuck? Yeah. That's a main character. Get the fuck away from me. I just scored from half pitch. I'm fuck the guy. You. I'm right. the guy. Right, man. Come on. Yeah. He came off the bench and did that. I'd fucking punch my teammates in the dick if they yeah. came anywhere near <laughs> me after I scored that goal. <laughs> like, fucking kiss my boots. Do you think
1: that having Cabral and Jovic on the same team is a good thing or a bad thing for
0: Italiano? I think you can definitely have players that are more consistent within the team. I definitely think that he could have two strikers that give you something a little bit different because it's kind of like for like at the moment Mm -hmm. with the two of them. Um, Cabral is bigger and stronger but he's not too different to Jovic in that sense. Jovic gives you a very similar kind of play style. He's a smaller build with a better finish, Jovic. Yeah, they, they're they both in-the-box strikers. They're yeah. both finishers. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, both target yeah. men. You know what I mean? It wouldn't hurt if, if they had... Like, like for example, cabral Piontek was a really good mix, for mm. example. Um I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just Jovic is on terrible form and Cabral's needing to step in. I think Jovic is the
1: worst thing that has happened to Cabral. Because Cabral is the type of player that needs minutes, he needs consistency, he needs game in, game out, game in, game out. And the same thing goes for Jovic. So mm. I think they get in each other's way, man. I yeah. think they, they stop each other's momentum constantly. Mm. And the fact that none of them have cemented their role as a starter is a, a never-ending vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. the fact that you know they can't find their footing because they're not playing and they're not playing because they can't find their footing Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: you know and it can be quite I think frustrating for Italiano for Cabral and for Jovic especially when they're Cabral seems to be overcoming it more than Jovic yeah
0: I think I think at at the moment you start Cabral over Jovic now there's obviously the argument of play Jovic as much as you can so he gets more experience and he'll start getting goals Um, but when when you look at 24 matches into the season and he still hasn't quite picked it up. And he was your big money signing in the summer. Big money. As in like, it was your, yeah, yeah, your yeah, yeah, star yeah. signing in, in the summer. Then I'm afraid it's bad news, man. He just yes. hasn't kind of hit the ground running. There's always next season, but this season Fiorentina really kind of feeling the effects of that lack of a striker. Yeah.
1: Is Kevin Lasagna good enough for Serie A? No. No, right? I think there no. are better strikers than Serie A, dude. hundred percent. Like Lapadula.
0: Yeah. Koda. B- B- yeah, but better strikers and better wingers as well. Because yeah. one thing he has, bless him, is he's versatile. But then yeah. would I rather have him as my winger or have Dennis Mann as my winger? Yeah. If you I know what definitely I definitely mean? Dennis Mann. hundred percent Dennis Mann. So, no, I don't think he's good enough for good enough for Serie A.
1: Yeah, it seems like he's he's good. He breaks through, he gets in the opportunity, he enters the hole, but he's not going to fucking finish, you know? No, no. Um, two interesting stats for Hellas Verona. Hien, their centre-back, has the most recoveries in 2023 in Serie A, and Doig, their full-back, has the most dribbles for a defender in 2023. Okay, interesting. So, yes, good form for them. Um, quite a spill.
0: <laughs> yeah. In
1: this case, um, they have lost 3-0 at home to Fiorentina but you know judging by the way things are going overall uh, I don't think they'd be too upset about this and they'll just move on to the next game
0: yeah I think so I'm, I'm keen to know who their next match is against and that is against Spezia and that's massive oh. that's massive that's massive oh though. cancel your plans ladies and gents that's and after 6.8. that they face Monza very good couple of games
1: yes Fiorentina have climbed to 12th with 28 points <laughs> while Verona sit in 18th with 17 points
0: yeah, they they could still comfortably make top 10 Fiorentino there's still a lot of time left and there isn't a massive gap over there
1: Yeah, and I really hope they continue their European form and I've really enjoyed watching them in yeah. Europe as well
0: Yeah, they're a nice little squad um, the next game we're going to be covering is another upset, it was Salernitana 3 Monza nil. The previous encounter was a 3-0 victory for Monza, so Salernitana have now taken it to penalties. Um, Sousa lost 2-0 to Lazio on his debut, and here had to do without William Trust Ekong, Fazio and suspended Dylan Bronn, plus Bulaedia not being fully fit. Monza suffered their first defeat of 2023 against Milan and went into this game with Marlon, Birindelli, Rovella, all banned. Cranio got his first Serie A start for the club, um, having now only played in the Coppa Italia. Not a great game to fucking feature for your first time, man. (laughs) Salernitana played a 3-4-1 formation with 8-1 goal. And the back line of Pirola, Gyomber, and Danilovic. They had Brotherich out on the left and Sambia out on the right and the midfield two of Koulibaly and Czernigoy. Then they had Kandreva playing as a left winger, Castanos as a right winger and Piontek up front. Few changes over there. Yeah um for Monza they played their 3-4-1 formation also like for like they had Cranion goal on the back line of Itzomari and Calderola that Churi out on the right Carlos Augusto out on the left and Maschin and Sensi in the middle with Pessin and Caprari playing on the shoulders of Gittkier So the first half saw quite a bit of end-to-end stuff in this game We saw a couple of good saves as well by Ochoa Who was back in Salernitana's squad under Sousa Um, However, in the 52nd minute, Salernitana opened the scoring through Koulibaly It was a lovely curling strike into the top corner Nothing Kranio could have done to keep it out Um, Good to see um, Kandreva obviously getting involved over there And providing the assist for this goal in the 65th minute, Castanos made it two. Um, it was an attempted cross that was blocked on a counter attack. The ball bounced very kindly for Castanos in acres of space, who volleyed the ball into the top corner, leaving Cranio rooted to the spot. He couldn't have hit it better, Yeah. Castanos over there. Yeah, those are already two amazing goals. <laughs> literally, man, literally. And Salernitana, this was like prime Salernitana that year. In the 71st minute, Kandreva scored in his new position. It was Piontek's shot that was saved by Kranio and into the path of Kandreva, whose rebound bounced in off the crossbar, approved by goal-line technology. Piontek, to be honest, was greedy to go for a goal and should have played the ball to Kandreva in the first place, but luckily for the Italian, the ball fell right to him after the shot was failed. In the 83rd minute, Piontek dribbled past Kranio, who was way off his line, but Couldn't hit the target with his finish. His shooting boots have been really off, particularly in this game. In the 87th minute, Donati received his marching orders after getting his second yellow card due to a handball. I mean, you look at the stats for this game, bro. Salernitana had 38% ball possession to Monza's 62% ball possession. Salernitana had 12 shots, 5 on target, whilst Monza had 15 shots, 4 on target. However, the XG for Salernitana was higher, 2.43, whilst the XG for Monza was 1.39. What do you make of this game? So Monza had
1: opportunities to get into the game or to even get ahead of the game. But of course, Salernitana have a guardian angel in gold that goes by the name of Guillermo Ochoa. Right? 100%. Um, Salernitana were inspired. They were motivated to um, show their new man, Susa. What they can do. Yeah. And that's when you get the best out of your veteran players like Kandreva. No, Kandreva wanted to show, like, hey, I'm the main guy over here.
0: Absolutely. And that was man. a great,
1: great performance by him. Yeah. Um, again, they just looked so inspired compared to this Monza side, who almost looked deflated.
0: Yeah, Monza did seem deflated um, which is funny because they were off to such a good start in 2023 mm. and then they lost that match 1-0 against Milan where everyone was looking at that, my God, just a beautiful sunset, yeah, the beautiful <laughs> sky. Such a lovely fucking purple sunset. Bro. Jesus Christ, I can't stop thinking about it. But I, I think I, I can't put my finger on how Monza didn't manage to not, not managed to get away with anything, but how they lost it so drastically. So I think, um, after all of those saves by Ochoa and after they weren't capable of getting a single goal, I think after Salernitana got one, there was only one way the game was gonna go. Yeah. And Salernitana were still fiery. They still had a lot of life left in them. It's great seeing the effects a new manager can have on a team and, even seeing Kandreva as a left winger, for example,
1: yeah.
0: that was beautiful, seeing him inverted. so close to goal, yeah. seeing him inverted, seeing him so direct. It's so different. And I had previously made a point saying that the best Salernitana we'll see is Salernitana towards the end of last season and in the beginning of the season under David and Nicola. But fuck me, just in one match, I could really see something for them under Sousa. They played so well in this game, bro, and they really brought it to Monza.
1: We'll see. Yes, bro. Um, Sousa is a young manager who is quite highly rated. He even got an opportunity at Fiorentina in the past. Mm. So we'll see. This is a bit of a place for him to really express himself, to get his system going, to show the world what he can do. And um, the players seem eager. So let's see. Very good.
0: Yeah, it was definitely the boost Salentana needed after three rounds in a row without scoring a single goal. Um, and this was their first home win since October 22nd Against Lost. Spezia as wow. well And the first victory for
1: Ochoa And the first clean sheet for Ochoa My god,
0: <laughs> okay yeah. Poor guy there you, go. there you go Like I mentioned, Kandreva, He got a goal and assist in this, in this match as well Really back into the team And back being an important player for them um, I can't wait to see Dia in the mm, system, true. I was so blueballed by Piontek in this game because he did have opportunities, but but my God, he just didn't look good at all. For Piontek lately, it's been the off the ball work, man. It it has been. It's true, and and he is important in in that area. And it's also good to see how behind him his teammates are. Every time he he missed, they were all around him, kind of like that layout, the yeah. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. So so Coming, it is. <laughs> so it is a really tight knit squad that they have over there they've seen it all together this, this group so yeah. nice to see Mazzocchi back by the way from injury yes he had knee surgery in November he'll definitely be an asset him yeah, being back for now.
1: sure he was so good man before he got injured it looked like a beater
0: yeah at, uh, at fullback <coughs> yeah who do Salernitana play next that is what Spezia. I would like to know
1: was it? no no Verona. That's Spezia Spezia, Verona.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna find out right now Salernitana, play Sampdoria away. They could definitely get something else out of that, man. They could definitely get something else out of that. I can't stress how impressed I was by them in this match, man. They did a fantastic job. Playing Monza is no easy task. They're fighting relegation, but now, with this victory, they managed to step up to 16th. um, Step up to 16. They're already at 16, but they are now on 24 points. And they're actually seven points ahead of Verona in that relegation battle and they're four points ahead of Spezia as well. So they have made some ground now. Hopefully they can get some points against Sampdoria as well to keep that going. Monza dropped down to 11. They're on 29 points. They're just two points behind Udinese and Torino. So the race in the top 10 definitely isn't over.
1: The next game we're going to be covering and the last game we're going to be covering is Lecce nil Sassuolo. One, the previous encounter was a nil-nil draw. Um, Sassuolo are actually unbeaten in four Serie A matches against Lecce thanks to three wins and one draw. Lecce have earned 19 points in 11 Serie A games since last November. Over this period, only Napoli, Juventus and Inter have picked up more. Jesus. Yeah, so Lecture have been fucking super.
0: So surprising man.
1: Yeah. Um, They were missing Di Francesco, Dermaku, and Pongracić this game, whilst Aswalo were missing the suspended Lauriente, Muldur and Tolian. For Lecture, it was um, their 4-3-3 formation with Falcone and goal, John Dre on the right, Gallo on the left with Bascarotta and Tuya at the back. Malek, Yulmind and Blin were in the middle with Banda as the left winger, Strafezza as the right winger, and Cissé up front. Forza it was a 4-3-3 um, formation to mirror Um Consigli was in goal with Zorte out on the right, Rogerio on the left, um, Ruan and Ehrlich at the back. Fratesi, Obiang and Henrico were in the middle with Barardi as right winger, Bayrami as the left winger, and Defrel up front.
0: Defrel is starting to seem like a staple in this team now. I really haven't been seeing He's I think he's
1: one of, those, one of those players that impresses in training you know mm. that the fans hate you know they, they yeah. can't get it because yeah. personally I don't know leaves a lot to be desired I mean I'm sure it's his, it's his work ethic probably that's appreciated is of the ball work mm. you know what I mean because at the end of the day look at
0: pinamonti and Alvarez they're way more capable yeah. when it comes to yeah. I'm so um, pure footballing technique by by Alvarez I would really like to see more of him I think he could be really good for Sassuolo
1: yeah I didn't even get a sniff in this game but yeah um, in the first half it started off with Bayrami missing a one-on-one from an awkward angle it was a great save by the Falcon in goal Mm. Um, shortly after that there was a Band the bicycle kick that was extreme, that was ridiculous. Did you see yeah, the, yeah, the bicycle kick was I over did. the top? He knocked the ball up and he went for a crazy, audacious bicycle kick, just skying it. Would have been a great goal. <laughs> then at the end of the first half, Ruan missed an open header where he totally outjumped his man. He was totally alone. He, everything was correct: the jump, the, the mm. way he moved his head, everything was perfect, but he missed the target. Um, in the second half. Um, Lecture brought on Remy Odin The French Midfielder Okay And he Changed things up For Lecture He looked okay Um, However He did miss Two very good opportunities Yeah He skied them Both of them The second one Was worse than the first one It was a long throw That was flicked on By Basquerota Because you know When uh, of course Lecture have a throw in in mm. the opposition half mm. Bascarotta goes up They throw it at him And he just flicks it on Right yeah. Because no one's gonna beat Basquerota in the air Yeah Because Bascarotta Probably weighs 100 kilos Of pure fucking <laughs> muscle That's If you fucking collide with him It's just like getting hit By a truck probably Exactly So yeah Um He flicked the ball Into the path Of Udin Who once again Skied it Unlucky Yeah Um Sassuolo's goal came in the 65th minute when Thorsved converted a Berardi corner at the near Post. He had only been on for four minutes, Thorsved, and mm. he got the winner over there. So it's a good good little um, cameo for him yeah. in his first season at Sassuolo. It hasn't really gone swimmingly so far. No. Um, he's shown glimpses of what he can do, but he hasn't really had game-changing moments. So nice to see him finally get his.
0: Yeah, good for his confidence as well. And, and it's good to know that he can do it late on in a game yeah. and he's someone good to bring on because because i i don't see anyone um i i don't see any one of those midfield three being dropped for sassuolo yeah. for for a towards vet like fratezi henrique and um i always forget his bloody name lopez lopez, lopez. Yeah, but, yeah but, but I, I think he's been a bit on and off with injuries because we've been seeing a lot of yeah. obiang in the team as well yeah, yeah
1: who is also back from injury. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He also, had heart uh,
0: problems. That was his Obiang, injury. Oh, beyond really?
1: Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm like my dog. <laughs> skin. Now, um, Lecce did have a very good sequence at the end. To be honest, Sassuolo did manage to neutralise them for the most part. At the end of the game, Hulman played a perfect ball over the top. Hulman, by the way, is a fantastic midfielder who's getting a lot of attention from top teams like Milan, Roma, yeah. we're talking about all of them. Um, he played a perfect ball over the top to Udin, who kept it under control and squeezed it into Colombo, who laid it off to Streffetza, who was right in front of the goalkeeper, but failed to hit the target. And was extremely embarrassed.
0: he covered his face for like an entire minute over there, man. Just yeah. collapsed to the ground. It was a really good opportunity, and would have been a, a another point for Lecce but yeah. but not today, man. Lecce outshot
1: Sassuolo, actually, 12-7, to 7, but they only had one shot on target compared to Sassuolo's three. Um, once again, very wasteful Lecce over here. And to be honest with you, um, Sassuolo did deserve the f- victory, in my opinion, simply because of how poor Lecce were in the final third.
0: Yeah, they were very poor in the final third. And that being said, Sassuolo have been on really good form as well when you look at their past couple of games I mean, okay, last game they lost to Napoli, which is fine. The game before that, they drew to Udinese. The game before that, they beat Atalanta. The game before that, they beat Milan. The game before that, they held Monza away from home. So they really have turned things around, Sassuolo, man.
1: Yeah, they're on the way up. They're on the rise, um, which is bad news for anyone who has to play them because it's never fun playing Sassuolo team. That's very dynamic. Exactly. They currently sit in 14th with 27 points. Overtaking lecture on the direct encounter who sit in fifteenth with twenty seven points two
0: brother i couldn't help but notice that throughout the episode your voice got progressively worse i think your allergies are really acting up man
1: bro yes i got this nasal spray from the pharmacy today and i got antihistamines now i'm a person who has never struggled with allergies in my entire life and i actually take the piss out of my girlfriend because she has really bad allergies (laughs) and i tell her you know you're allergic to earth what kind of what kind of weird (laughs) shit is this Just breathe air and be okay like you know um and here i am right now just dying man um yeah, so I have the saline nose spray that I use around. Mm. That really helps to blow your nose. I'm drinking wine, which I'm sure doesn't help.
0: No. Careful with that nasal spray, huh? No, no, it doesn't have steroids in it. Okay. It's not the okay. shit that Mike's cause... addicted to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know some people that have gotten very addicted to nasal spray spray. So apparently just...
1: it makes it worse.
0: Yeah. In the long run, in the long run. Yeah. But thank you guys for tuning into this episode. It was quite a long one. Back to the two hour mark again. Oh, yes. Um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter and YouTube. Give us a nice little subscription over there. We've been posting some YouTube shorts and the full episodes as well. Um, rate us five stars wherever you're listening. We'll be back next week. We'll have a couple of bangers that will be... Covering next week In fact I want to go through them A little bit So that you guys Will get excited For the next one But things start off On Friday Between Napoli and Lazio Um, There's Fiorentina Against Milan There's Roma Against Juve Sunday night 8.45 To close things off And then the games Go through as well To Monday With Torino Facing Bologna And Sassuolo Facing Roma against Juve That's going to be A good one corner galore corner galore only corners in that game but thank you very much for listening guys we've been serious Spotlight we love you all and take care